0: Hey everyone, this is Dungeon Master Chris. And this is Dungeon Master Mitch. If you like our podcast and you want to help support us so that we can raise the money it would take to purchase the necessary ritual components to make Stomp into the Lich Lord that forever reigns over Orenthal,
1: then head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonmasterblock and check out the awesome rewards that we have in store for you there.
0: Welcome back everyone to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and of course, lowering the egos of all of our egotistical players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And this week we are joined by Sean from Tribality again. He was here last time to talk about pirate campaigns, and he's back again. One of our favorite buckos, (laughs) Picaroons. He's back again this time to talk through heists with us. And if you've ever seen any heist movie, every guy comes out of that movie saying, I want to be in a heist. (laughs) And we are going to quench your thirst and give you some ideas of how to do a heist without all the repercussions in a fantasy world of D&D. So first, before we jump into that, we have some shout outs that we need to do. And our first one comes from Enchanting Hunter. This one's from Australia. And so it says, got me back into tabletop gaming, five star reviews. And he says, I started playing D&D fourth edition about a year ago with some friends, but no one was that enthusiastic about it. And it's kind of started to fall through after a few months. As the DM, I was putting in a lot of work to starting a campaign. And I felt like it wasn't really being appreciated by the players. So the game started to wind down until we finally stopped. I found DMB on Twitter and ever since listening to the first episode, I've been inspired to get back into playing D&D and start a new game. The podcast has been invaluable for me as a starting DM and I especially like the creation and inspiration episodes. I'm going to use the level 20 commoner. It says, uh, the podcast has tons of great information about DMing and I would recommend it if you are or are looking to be a DM. Thank you to DM Chris and DM Mitch for helping me or for keeping me playing D and D Jake. So thank you very much, Enchanting Hunter, or Jake. Uh, we uh,
1: greatly appreciate your support. It is really cool. We've had a couple people tell us that they haven't played D&D in years, and the podcast has brought that yeah. desire back for them. And uh, that's that's a really good comp. I mean, yeah, that's that really encouraging for really, us. I love it. That's one of
0: our things. I I don't think we necessarily said that was one of our goals when we started out doing this, but it's definitely been
1: something that we've seen
0: happen. Bring more more. people back, doing to the day, yeah, yeah, doing this podcast. That's yeah. Awesome.
1: We have another one back from the states. It's entitled "DMs Talking to DMs." That is exactly what we're doing, Chris. And it's by Customer Chaos, and it says this is a great podcast. You can hear everyone just fine, which is a big plus. Some sections, and especially now that we have our new beautiful mind, and it says thank you Patreon dragons and some sections i would say are not essential but still enjoyable the meat of the episode is usually right on point and features great commentary on the subject hearing lots of opinions and thinkings about the actual act of running a game is essential to being a good dm whatever system you're using And these DMs are leading the charge. Thank you so much, Customer Chaos. We appreciate that so much. We are DMs, and we are speaking to all of you DMs. Yes. Well, with that, let's get to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns. Our favorite moments where we learned about ourselves and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. All right, so for story time today, we played my campaign and Chris, you guys are stuck in a very large maze. Large is an understatement. <laughs> large is a huge understatement. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a huge understatement. Yeah,
1: you're not sure. It's basically a mega dungeon is what we've come <laughs> to the conclusion of. So, but you guys don't know where you guys are going. But this maze is blocking the way, perhaps, to where you're going, or maybe this maze is where you're going. But in any case, you're in this maze. And last time, what we talked about was there was you guys made your way into this maze, and then you found these doors that told the truths and lies. And you fought a couple strange creatures, and eventually, you made your way to this big, like, arena room inside this maze, and you fought these. Celestial glowing gladiators, and they eventually formed together to form like a image of cord, like a giant image of cord. Like you said before, it wasn't cord, because if it was, you guys would be dead. We'd be screwed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you beat it and this gem appears and dropped. And so the rest of it you guys kind of thought about it and you're like, okay. We're- it's the Arkenstone. <laughs> That's what you kept saying. <laughs> like, That's what I kept you guys saying. Were- I keep saying that for every single one <laughs> yeah. we find. You guys were like, we were told that the trials have just begun. I bet you we're supposed to go through this maze and collect a gem or a stone from each god. Like there's some kind of challenge for each of these gods. So you guys tried to make your way through the maze some more. You kind of got lost and Grouthoof changed into a hawk. And decided, I'll fly up high because these there's no ceiling to this place. Yeah, we, we figured it was a good idea. Just fly up, explore, tell
0: us what's over there. Maybe even fly over there and just collect all the stones. This sounds like a great idea. And it
1: semi-was, but when, what ended up happening? He flew
0: into a no-fly zone, essentially, yeah. is what happened. <laughs> uh, and essentially got shot down. Yeah,
1: he <laughs> flew up like over these 300-foot walls and he could mm-hmm. see these... Four beings at each of the corners with wings. And we like didn't angels. like. We couldn't.
0: Yeah, we couldn't see this as players, mm-hmm. but we all of a sudden hear like we see him fly over a little bit and then fly back down to us really, really yeah, fast. Yeah, and you heard because, like this <laughs> loud
1: bellowing battle cry right. or something. You're like, yeah. what's going? You guys like all grabbed your weapons. You're like ready like to fight something. <laughs> yeah. And over the wall, after he so he tried to fly over the walls. What happened? And then all of a sudden it was like scream. And he was flying back, looking panicked as a hawk could be. And what happened? A
0: huge angel came flying over the top of the labyrinth walls and basically, like, hit him once, did a crap ton of damage against him. And then we were like, okay, well, we have to fight this thing. And I think Mark, like, tried to shoot an arrow at it or something, Mm -hmm. and it basically, like picked it out, used it to pick some stuff out of his teeth and threw the arrow <laughs> yeah. away. It just didn't do anything to It <laughs> ba- didn't even notice. It barely did anything, yeah. And then uh, Grouthoof ended up uh, dying. Yeah. Like, he got struck down to the point where it's like, yeah, he uh, he didn't make it. Like, he's, <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> he's just laying there. And uh, something interesting happened at this point. Like, we were given these little these vials, vials as yeah. part of Yeah, we were given these little vials of clear liquid that were like, well, we don't, Know what these are? We don't really like. We have these rings of sustenance. We don't. We don't get parched. We don't get thirsty. Like we're not hungry. Like, what the heck are these things for? You know. And you, as players, were pretty sure you knew what they were
1: because you'd seen them
0: before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've we've known what they are, and like we've we've seen them before, and uh we know them to be called the tears of the gods. Which, if a character dies, you can place it like you can place the tear of the god in the mouth. I don't know if you have to, I don't know if you necessarily have to force them to swallow it or however the mechanic works. Uh, but basically, they get resurrected mm-hmm. to their full HP, full stats, full sp- like basically, like it was the beginning of the day, nothing happened yeah. to them. Um, and so, his started glowing, and he comes back from the dead, and basically, it's just like, well. That's not going to work, guys. (laughs) I don't think they like it when we cheat
1: and go over the walls.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So we we found ways that we could fly up. Like we could fly above the wall, but we couldn't fly over into another section. And so slowly as we've been going through, he's been kind of scouting out ahead like a little by little. Like he'll see over the wall and see like, oh, hey, there's a big room over there. We probably need to get over yeah, there. Yeah, you've learned so that the been...
1: big open areas, the big rooms, are usually places that you can go, and there's a ch- some sort of challenge from the gods, and there's mm-hmm. a gem somewhere yep. in that room. So there were a yep. couple rooms that you during this session actually went to and were able to find and had some sort of challenge from the gods. The first room I think you guys found was the one where there was it had a huge pit in the middle it's the biggest room you guys have come across in your all your mm-hmm. time in the maze and it has this huge pit in the middle that you couldn't see the bottom it was just dark right. as dark could be there was a helmet floating above this giant pit just suspended in midair and then there were uh, in each corner there were one giant like we're talking 250 foot Statue of what you guys now know
0: are dwarves, and us as us, us players have all had really good history with huge stone statues. <laughs> yeah, another campaign. So we're all like, and by good you well, mean terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally sarcastic <laughs> when I say that. Um, but yeah, so we we had to we we figured just by looking in the room, or like that helmet probably is something that we need for these but how in the world are we going to get this? And at this point in time, I don't think you mentioned it yet, but our party split up. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I think it was Rick's ended up going somewhere... You was guys it Ricks or Gravlope? I don't remember. Yeah, Ricks. You guys yeah, came yeah. across
1: this giant old Demara slot machine. And Mark Magic Mark always loves gambling with like his character stats. A little too much. So he, he was like, I'll do good and he got the one bad result that made him switch to another place in the maze, which is awful. And mind you, like you said, we are
0: in a mega huge dungeon. Huge And He just comes out uh, he just <laughs> goes somewhere. Yeah. Like we have
1: <laughs> no idea where he went.
0: Yeah. And so he, like, we entered into this room and we found out that the minute we, like, crossed the threshold into the room, these dwarves, dwarven statues started moving. And so we would, like, the minute we would leave, they would, like, return to their place. And um, it wasn't just touching the floor. It was like, even if Grouthoff tried to fly in to get the helmet, they would, they would try and move and, and hit him. And uh, Rick started hearing all of this commotion. So he knew that he was close. He just kind of had to, like, roll lists and checks and find his way back.
1: It was good out of everybody. That Rick's got lost because as a lapid, a rabbit kin, he has a phenomenal sense of hearing. Yeah. And so he was he it took him a long time, but he was able to kind of follow the sounds. And he was like, you know, I could be walking towards danger. And he was, but he's like, I guarantee that whatever these sounds are coming from are my friends and they might be in trouble mm-hmm. it led him back to you but basically you guys when that happened you saw another gem where was this gem it was it was on the
0: hand or in the head of the, hel- one of the, statues? the top of the helmet the top of the helmet is where it was yeah and so we're like okay we probably like the helmet looked the same as the one that was floating above the pit correct yep so we were like okay we have to get that somehow and so Groudhoff
1: I think... at this point I believe had used his hawk form and so yeah. you're like uh, we can't rest just in the middle of these hallways it's gonna be a while before I can change to a hawk. Is there another way that we could grab this helmet? So, you guys were like, All right, let's how, how do we get this helmet? And so, you guys all kind of ran in the room and like had this idea of, Oh, let's one of us will distract the statues. And I know you were like, uh, I can't run fast. I'm yeah. you, I cannot be the distractor because I'll get, I'll get murdered. Get These things are 250 feet tall, right? One hit will probably kill us. And they ended up coming after you. And something went really well in your favor. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was so. If you've listened to the podcast at all, we have this critical fail chart, and this thing tried to like just—I don't remember if he was trying to step on me or swing his axe or whatever, or punch me or whatever it was. But he was just—he was trying to obliterate me, and he probably would have succeeded. He probably had he have. not. <laughs> your tear of the god probably would have been needed to use. Yeah, if it wasn't crushed. <laughs> but uh, and then he rolled a. F- I forget whatever it was on the chart but basically he he like it's like oh you're you're walking yeah. along slip on a banana peel and he boom, tripped. fell right in the middle of the floor <laughs> with the stone like right there for me to grab and it was just one of those things that it was like where he fell and how he fell his head was right by me and I I had to roll to grab it but I still had another turn that I needed to do to get out of the room and so luckily that I made all of my yeah. checks. I don't know if I made them by a lot or whatever it was, but we made it out of the room. And that was what Rick's heard was the falling of the statue. And so he's like, that's how he ended up finding his way back to the room was hearing that statue fall over, make that loud noise on the ground. He comes running back after everything's gotten up and moved back to its original place. Um, and he shot the helmet with the arrow afterwards to knock it out of place because it's like, oh, well, what does this thing do? Um, and so Tork ended up putting it on, <laughs> and he, like, I don't know if he was, like, teleported. Did he, Did he like, teleport he into the, the
1: head? Yeah, he basically became the consciousness of mm-hmm. one of the dwarven statues, mm-hmm. and the other dwarven statues immediately came at him. The one with the, that used to have the gem in it, that's the one he got put into. The other one started right. coming at him, and he tried to fight them, and three-on-one was just a total battle, and... He ended up dying as the Dwarven statue. The thing crumbled, and he got put back into his own rightful body. And mm-hmm. so you guys were like, oh, so if we had gotten the helmet, that probably would have happened, and then we were would have gotten the gem anyway. We just found this really loophole crazy way <laughs> to end up getting yeah. this.
0: Well, because Garhoff didn't have his flying anymore, because he, he before, you know, we've, we've played... Uh, a couple of nights now and he's gotten to this point where he can realize yeah yeah, i can stay in hawk form for a while there's no reason for me to change out but for a while he would like fly up change into hawk form fly back down and change out of hawk form and we're like dude like why are you doing that like this is really helpful for us and so he had already done that but thankfully lately he hasn't been doing that
1: which is kind of nice so then you guys you guys had two gems now and so you didn't know how many you were supposed to collect and you kept on going you're like all right it's probably not only two and ricks while he was lost saw another big room so you guys headed that way and you walked into this room that it seemed you you felt grass on the ground and it seemed like it was nighttime and you came you lit torches and you came across like the foot of a huge statue but it was dark so you couldn't really see and i think Routhoof cast light and flew up as his hawk form again and yeah he cast light on himself i basically think. he went up and as he's going up flying around the statue you guys are able to make out what the statue is and it's a giant statue of pelor and you mm-hmm. he keeps flying around and he realizes this statue basically this room is full of darkness it's a giant statue of pelor which is weird because pelor is the god of the sun mm-hmm. and he's holding this chain that goes up into the clouds then there's this big chasm And you guys are like, all right, what's going on? And so you kind of spent the night there because you're like, this seems like a good place to rest. After Mm -hmm. some rest, you guys wake up and you're like, I think one of you realized this is like exactly like the statue that we had seen in Shemesh of Pelor. Mm -hmm. And there Mm -hmm. was a entryway between his feet. And so you guys, I think you, Chris, did a search check. Yeah, uh, and you found like a, a secret, secret door, door or something yeah. like that, and
0: yeah, and then I had to, you know, we opened it and went up to the top, and we realized that up at the top there was a, like three different levers, I think, two of which were traps. Yeah. So I had to disable some traps up there, and then uh, one of them, I don't remember which one, was one that when you pulled the lever, Peller would pull the chain. He would pull the chain, and the sun would come down, or was the it, sun would he come would, up? It would yeah, rise. The sun would come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a little bit of a miscommunication <laughs> between <laughs> between what we thought you were saying and what we heard yeah, because what it sounded like it was saying is like, oh yeah, there's this, you know, the sun comes up in the, like across the room and we were thinking like, oh, it's like a mural or something like that. Like where it's, it's like a painted sun coming up going up and down across the wall it's
1: definitely it definitely was a little bit difficult because it's such a weird for this like super simple yeah it's and that's and that was like i was like you know you guys are like don't don't spoon feed us like we want to figure it out which is Mm -hmm. awesome of you guys but there's been a couple times in this maze where i'm like it's really a simple answer but you guys were like thinking maybe a little bit too hard or something wasn't described perfectly and it's difficult because you guys are not in a a normal maze you guys are in a maze created by the gods and not everything is like as it appears and so the devil was certainly in the details with this uh so there was some miscommunication but eventually you guys figured out what you had to do which was yeah we had to
0: fly to the sun because it wasn't painted on the wall it was actually an orb in the middle of the chasm that would come up and we had to fly and fly like Grouthoof would fly into the middle of it, grab the this gem, the another gem, golden ark and stone that's in the <laughs> middle of there, and then fly out. Yeah. It was that simple. And we would just there was something in when the way that you communicated and the way that we received it. It was just it. It didn't quite something work, right? So. Yeah, which which is a yeah, good, yeah.
1: you know. I'm sure that every DM out there has had that mm-hmm. happening, and it's mm-hmm. and every player, and it's something that happens to the best of us. So what can we do? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And once it was this funny moment of like all of us finally realized what was going on and why there was such struggle, and it was like. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. what he meant, and so <laughs> yeah. so it was like, oh, of course we do this, and you, so you you eventually got it, and you got another gem, three down. Who knows how many to go? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you guys, so you guys entered back into the maze. And uh, more encounters, more puzzles, more traps, and you came across this another room with a giant statue. Finally, this room had a giant statue of a knight, and you guys are like, "Heronis, it's got to be Heronis." He's made mm-hmm. out of fine marble, but he's holding a lightning bolt that seems to be made out of like a different material, like a crystal material. And so this was kind of one of those ones where you guys were like really thinking outside of the box. And the guy who's our friend who's playing Torque was just like, "Shoot the lightning bolt with a lightning spell. See what mm-hmm. that does." <laughs> yeah. And like, I think you guys thought like, "No, that's too easy," and you breezed over it. And then it was like, "I guess we should try this." And you tried it. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if we
0: breezed over it for long because it was like, yeah, it wasn't too. We long. don't really see anything else. Ah, what the heck? Let's try it. <laughs> And And sure enough, enough, it ended up working, and we struck it. There was probably some sparks that happened or something, but out of the lightning bolt fell this silver gem with a lightning bolt on it. And it was that simple.
1: Sometimes it's just that simple. Yep, but that wasn't all that was in that room. That wasn't all. In in the four corners of this room, there was something. It wasn't dwarven statues.
0: It was boots. There was pairs of boots.
1: A pair of boots in each corner
0: and only two of us put them on um because mm-hmm. Grouthoof, I think detected
1: magic on them yep and he identified or yeah, going on
0: and is like super skeptical of magic uh and so he's like yeah I'm not putting those on like not doing it at all <laughs> and sure enough the two people that put it on started dancing uncontrollably uh, yes. <laughs> and I think it was like you got like a plus 5 to dance or something like that I don't know well that's what we said yeah. cuz they were cursed yeah yeah
1: and you guys later figure out how to remove right. them, which was we had to. And you found out that they gave you a plus five afterwards because oh, I was like, hey.
0: yeah, yeah. The curse was sure, sure. The curse plus was, five to yeah, dance. The curse was that you just couldn't stop dancing no matter no. what.
1: And so if like in in any battles you guys would get into, you'd be dancing, which negated some of your AC, mm-hmm. and it was just it was annoying and it was terrible. But you guys, you guys were just frustrated, I think, and you were just like. Yeah, we don't know what to do. I guess we're just cursed. Like stupid old Demora. This has got to be old Demora. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was, it was old Demora, and there was something that you guys were. And Chris, no fault of yours, because it was a yeah, night. because I you wasn't weren't there, here. Yeah. But the, like the other two guys who were here, like they just weren't remembering something right. about a statue. Had of had already that happened late, like early this. in this campaign, and old Demora was involved. But so you guys left the room. And you ran into another notable, this wasn't a challenge, but another notable thing that Grouthof remembered from his vision a giant golden furred sphinx lying on a huge pile of gold. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and he doesn't do battle with you guys. He's scary as heck. He like growls at you when you like come close to his pile of mm-hmm. gold. And basically he offers to you. I w- he, you guys are like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I will answer your questions for your treasure. And you guys figured out you had to pay him five hundred gold, and he would answer pretty much most questions that you yeah, would answer, most, ask. Him. Most questions that weren't something that the gods wouldn't want him to tell. Yeah, was like basically he was, he basically was commanded what he not say. to answer certain things. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so we we. I think we only asked him like three questions or something like that. But the most important one that we asked was,
1: "How do we get? How the heck do you off? get these
0: boots? Stupid boots <laughs> off, you know." Um, and I don't remember exactly what he said. He's something I think he, he just like something smiled about smiled and said, "You
1: dance around the night, of course." Oh, Which, yeah. if you remember, a story time long ago, there was uh, the comeback in Old Demar had tricked Grouthoof and. Ricks and Cruor even though Cruor wasn't there into coming into his inn and they had to weave through this like underground cellar maze and they had to dance around a, a statue of a knight and have misinterpreted it and thought it was dance through the through night the so they dance for like eight hours instead
0: of dancing around <laughs> the night so you'd
1: think that after that crazy thing that they would remember dance around the night when yeah. there's dancing boots and a statue of uh, heronius the night yeah but they didn't and so that was the sphinx said that and like caleb who plays groudhoof and magic mark who plays we were just like oh mm-hmm. so you guys all made your way back groudhoof puts on the boots you look at the boots and you're just like I don't want to put these on. Nope. I don't I don't <laughs> this want anything is not more, man.
0: But I am assuming I have to do it. Yep. And so Krewer puts them on and they start dancing around and eventually we get Krueger to a point where we can something. stop. Yeah. Yep.
1: Krewer feels
0: something in his boot. <laughs> yep. And out of the boot comes a another purple. gem, which I think was the purple one. Yep. I, purple I remember gem. right. Yeah. Yep. And so that was obviously the gem to Olydom Hold Demar. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. And so that's that's where we stopped for this night but so you guys now have a total of 5 gems. One of the other questions you asked the Sphinx was how many of these gems do we need? Hmm. And he told yeah, you right. He told you that you needed 14 and one of you guys was like 14 like but there's 15 gods that we went on this quest for and basically he was like uh yes but but Istis has already placed your his gem in the place because he has determined it is your destiny right. and Istis I forgot is about that part. all about destiny and fate and so there's one less gem and you guys have 5 you need 14 so you guys are on your way in this mega dungeon to collecting all these gems. I don't think anybody from our group remembers that
0: honestly because we're all like oh yeah we have to get 15 gems and if we don't like Thank you for telling me. Now I just have to try and separate player knowledge and character knowledge again. (laughs) Because I totally was like, yeah, we got like not very many to go now, and we're getting closer. And yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that, (laughs) Mitch.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So you guys will have to tune in to another story time soon to hear about if they're able to collect all these gems. Groudhoof has died. He's used his Tear of the God and there's only three tiers Which, of the gods left.
0: Which is kind of in this mode of, I want to steal everything and have it attributed to him in Mitch's world. And so he <laughs> was just like, guys, I feel like, I feel like this just means that the gods are crying for you. Like, I feel like this is like yeah. a tier of the god <laughs> that we have to use on Grouthoof. And so Kruor is just in like this, I'm gonna steal everything and have it attributed to him mode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, Krewor and Chris. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and DM Chris is doing that too. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a good time. You guys have to check in more and see what happens in this maze if they survive, how many Tears of the God they have to run through, and how many gems more that they have to collect and what they have to do to collect those gems. So check in to another story time for that. With that, let's head to the meet. I'm starving. We ain't had
2: nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days.
1: Yeah. Why can't we have some meats? Just a
2: mouthful! No! The flight meat's back on the menu,
0: boys! Welcome back to another section of The Meat, everybody. We're glad that you decided to join us today. We have Sean from Tribality back with us. Say hi, Sean.
3: Hello, everybody.
0: It's good to have you back from the land of Toronto. We are excited for what you're going to talk about with us today. We're talking about heists. But before we get into that, it's been a while since you've been on here. What's been happening around your neck of the woods in tri- with Tribality? Thanks for
3: asking. Uh, Tribality, uh, we're busy you know, trying to get content up there, uh, You know, articles every day, writing homebrews or how to become a better DM. You know, We've been trying to uh, make that happen more often by getting a little bit of support. So we've started up a Patreon, like a lot of people, and uh, we, we have 15 people supporting us, and, and that's, you know, allowing us to be able to go and do a little bit more, uh, create a community, be able to go and, you know, bring on some more authors. So it's been really nice to get some support, and we're, you know, we're just going to keep doing it regardless, but the more support we get, the uh, even more stuff we can put out.
0: Ah, that's awesome. And you guys are also on the nomination list for an Any right now, too, correct? We are,
3: and, uh, you know, in our short history, it's nice to get on the list like that. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Great sites on the list so far, the submissions. I'm not sure if final nominations are in yet.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if they are yet yeah, either. So it'd
3: be nice to get on the final
1: nominations. and you know, They, we... might. they might be when, when you guys are listening yeah. to this podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah, so we'd be really happy to uh, get a chance at a, at a silver or gold. That'd be super cool.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool. Well, I'm excited for you guys. You guys have been killing it over there. Yeah, been, you guys are blowing yeah, up. Yeah, you guys are, are going crazy over there. A lot of our listeners have gone over and supported you guys. And the same from you guys. You guys have brought us a lot of people too and so this is a this has been a great relationship for us and and thanks again for coming on the podcast well,
3: it's, it's great for me because i don't have to figure out how to make a podcast uh, about being an awesome uh, dm you guys took care of that for us.
0: <laughs> hey there we <laughs> nice. go there we go so let's let's get into to heist and i think the big question is as we start why in the world would somebody want to do a heist? well
3: the famous and wonderful Dane Cook again. Some of your listeners may have a, a different opinion on that. Um, <laughs> he he, he kind of has a I can't remember what album it's on or whatever, but he has a. a I thing think where it's, it's Vicious Circle. Yeah, 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 and he's like more than anything, every guy wants to be part of a heist. I'm talking about a B and E breaking and entering.
0: Oh yeah, I'm
1: doing a B and E. Yeah,
3: and even more than that, they want like you know a monkey. We want to be a part of a heist. And then there's something else that we want even more than the heist. Any guy here would love to have a monkey. You know, assuming that
0: (laughs) they want to to own a bar, too, according to how I met your mother. But
3: (laughs) so, but I mean, you know, like Fast and the Furious proves it. I mean, people love heists, right? I mean, you know, maybe Dane Cook or whoever he borrowed the joke from is uh, right. And, uh, you know, you do want to be part of a heist, even if you don't know it. That's good news for us as DMs, because we can, you know, mine that for uh, great gameplay opportunities, right?
0: Yeah, I think for, for every guy, when like Fast and Furious came out, it was like, man, I really want a sweet car like that because I could do awesome things like they do in that movie. And so it's got like this, just not to be punny or cliche, but it has this fantasy around it where anybody would love to be a part of a heist. Most guys, if they knew they could get away with it scot-free, would love to be a part of a heist. <laughs> and so the great part about being a dungeon master is we can kind of help create those scenarios for our players in a fantasy world where even if they don't get off scot-free it's in a fantasy world so there really are no real repercussions for it which is great for our players and in
3: game you know 20 years goes by a lot faster than real life <laughs> yeah, yeah right?
1: you're basically like it's 20 years later which
3: would be so that'd be totally cool too right
1: i once spent 20 years in prison <laughs> it was a piece of cake <laughs> your
3: dwarf rogue your dwarf rogues in prison for 20 years he comes out He's not neutral good anymore <laughs> no <laughs> he, yeah he's, he's a different he's role
0: done guy. some things he's not real proud of anymore he's now a he's now a hardcore guy who's out for revenge. I
3: think that heists uh, are great because you know it gives you and the players also a lot of times it's like you go into a dungeon room you clear it, you go into a dungeon room you clear it, or you know you're you're moving along a plot like some dms might be struggling of well, how can I go and collaborate with the players in a way that's not just going to go and blow up and you know have them running around the the world just tearing my story apart. Well, in a heist, you know, you can go and kind of set the limits and work with them where you know they're kind of coming up with a lot of the plot for you so you can kind of sit back and just, you know, enjoy a session while, you know, they write it for you almost. Whether yeah. it goes well or not, you know, as long <laughs> as they're having fun, you can have the heist go horribly or smooth, it doesn't matter as long as the people are having a good time. And and you win either way. If they all end up in jail or if they end up on an island uh drinking medieval p- pina coladas you're, <laughs> you're you're good either way right if so. you like
1: medieval pina coladas
0: yeah i think i think those moments even if it goes poorly and they end up in jail like i know some of the the most memorable moments that i have as a player are the times where i'm just like you remember when that happened And it wasn't anything that we were even remotely trying to do. And like we all ended up either dying or ended up in prison for some various reasons. I think those are are great things
1: that help make
0: memorable stories for you as a DM and your players.
1: I think that something that a heist is perfect for is we've had people, we've had listeners write in to us about feeling like their group of players are getting upset with them because they feel like, they're being railroaded and we've had sometimes we're like you're not railroading them you're giving them a story like anyway if you have a group that's like that and they feel like they're being railroaded i think a heist campaign is perfect for that kind of group because like you said like you come up with the item you come up with the fortress or wherever they're stealing it from and it's almost like all right here it is go for it guys it's like a
3: sandbox but you've created it so that they can't go and say well i'm just leaving the city and go to whatever it's like do you want the MacGuffin or not? Like, yeah. Yeah. So you can really, you can go and take some people who who want that agency and they want to have control because, you know, they're more experienced players and, you know, they're the ones who are tearing over even experienced DMs or for like a younger, like what I mean, more less experienced group of players, it's a chance for all of you to go and learn to do that collaborative storytelling, right? It's so popular in, in a lot of the more narrative rule sets, but taking that, you know, the things we can learn from say fate, and bringing that into like, you know, D&D or Pathfinder.
1: And most groups don't feel like they're being railroaded when it comes to do with treasure, like if you dangle that <laughs> that plus five vorpal carrot in front of them, they, they're they like, uh, I don't feel like I'm being railroaded right now. I'm not going to walk away from <laughs> the this. The carrot of
3: mighty destruction. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. that's a, gonna Write that item down. Yeah. yeah. yeah there, sure. there you go. <laughs> that might be
0: the next thing we put on a shirt. Plus five vorpal carrot. <laughs> there we go. Somebody
3: might not actually know what a heist is. Like People are like, well, I know what a heist is. It's kind of like a robbery. They've wolf. heard the name what? before. They've heard the yeah. words or whatever. What makes a heist special? Because, I mean, a heist is just a theft. The special thing about it is it has a focus on planning, execution, and aftermath. I mean, I can go and be like somebody who goes and pulls up in a car, goes into like a pawn shop, takes out my gun, and goes and asks for the money. That's a robbery. And it could even be a heist if it's at a specific time or whatever else. But the difference between a robbery and that being a heist is that, you know, you didn't just go in and do a stick up or whatever. Or you didn't just go and mug somebody on the street or you didn't just wait for an opportunity to come around. Like you case the joint, you're doing all this planning and that's, what's a big draw because you just tell your players like, Oh, by the way, you guys are like really strong. Why don't you just break into that gnome bank and uh, steal some gold? Like, you know, I, I always, I always want to do a Harry Potter heist.
1: Yes. Gringox bank, the, the bank that's impossible yeah. to break. Oh
0: break yeah. Out. You could totally put one of those into a D yeah. You world. could go and
3: bring that into D and D. Right. But I mean, you can't just have your players walk in the front door because they're no. going to get one. You, you shouldn't let them, let them try but obliterate them for it like just and the thing that they couldn't do when they went and tried to go in the front door you know let them meet that player in jail now they're there right like oh you guys don't have a rogue guess who you just met in the cell with you I mean so you know if they do get turned away at the door because you need to teach them that a heist requires planning you know let them learn the uh, let them learn it the hard way so that's what a heist is and the other part of a heist is generally you need a team so a team of experts right and, and if you don't have expertise You can fill that in with an NPC who can turn on them or one that they meet or, you know, they can go and spend a bunch of time recruiting. Heist is fun. Let the players decide. It's like, oh, man, we need to get a We Where's our bar? We need somebody who can go and steal the key from the uh, lord of the castle or something.
1: (laughs) So you say some people might not know what a heist is. Uh, Well, luckily, in movies and in literature, but we're going to talk mostly about movies, there are so many good examples of what a heist is. In fact, you asked us, Sean, before we came to record this episode, hey, I want to know what your guys' favorite heist movies are. So we're going to talk about a bunch, but let's just start it off. And, Sean, first of all, what is your favorite heist movie? See, for
3: me, a whole heist is great, but I wanted to specifically talk about The Dark Knight. I really, really like what oh, the Joker yeah. does at the beginning of the movie. It's a short heist. It establishes him as a character. and That's
1: a great scene, though, and, yeah. And, you
3: know, he's continuously having one person cross the guy ahead of him to go and get a bigger cut. Right. Well, you could use this in D&D where it's like, well, you know, I want to go and get the campaign started. And, and that'd be a way for everyone to go and meet each other. Or, you know, you do like a little mini heist where it's just a quick little mission. You know, even if you wanted to go and do it with some NPCs and have everybody play it as a vignette. And then you guys go go after those guys. But, you know, you don't have to do a full-on six-session heist, right?
1: And the, the Dark Knight heist, really, in those first five minutes, you have a heist that breaks down so many essential parts that we'll talk about of a heist. So that's a great example. Chris, what about
0: you? I was thinking through, I just, you probably watched me do this. I, I typed in the next movie that was probably my second favorite heist movie. But my first favorite is the usual suspects, like, I absolutely love that movie. If you haven't seen it, it, made in 1995, Kevin Spacey is amazing in this movie. There's just this quote that every time I hear it is just like, "Oh, it just gets gives me goosebumps." It says, "The greatest trick the devil ever played or ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist." It's just like, "Oh, so many good lines from that movie." But you see this guy like it's basically like this interrogation scene the whole time and he's re he's talking about all of the elements that went into the heist being planned and then coming out the other side and him giving his first-hand take of it. Just absolutely amazing. Have you seen that one, Sean? I've seen it,
3: but I haven't seen it since, like, 1996 or 1995.
0: Hey, it is So I'm ready to watch it
3: again because I'll be like, You should definitely go and watch it.
0: Yeah, forget about the ending of the movie because if you've seen it, you know what's going to happen. But <laughs> try and go into it without remembering that, and it's just absolutely amazing. My other favorite one was The Inside Man. That was one you didn't have on the list. Have you, ever, have you guys ever That's seen a good that one. one? Yeah, I've seen it's it. It's this like movie where they they have this planned out for like years ahead of time, and they like they build a whole part of the bank that has like this section where he can hide out in for like I think he hides out for like a week afterwards after they rob the bank, and then he he like tells the officer the whole time like. You know I'm gonna walk right out your front door. Like he's like you're gonna walk me out, and like it's this whole like this movie of him breaking into the bank, stealing all the money, hiding out in the wall, and then walking past the detective, out the front door of the bank and getting away with it. And it's just like oh, so many good parts to that movie. But that was that was my favorite. Those were my two favorite heist movies. Clive Owen
1: is the. The bank robber, right? Yeah, and Alan, yeah. What yeah. happened like, to him? I loved him, but he just kind of his career yeah, kind of fizzled he just out, kinda, huh? Yeah, like, I don't he's really know. Obviously, it. still probably in movies, but I feel like yeah. he hasn't done yeah, much lately. Really. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a great movie. He's in the King Arthur. Yeah, I like him, but I don't know what happened to him. But that's a great movie. Yeah, I couldn't really pick a favorite because I had one picked, and then Sean reminded me. You reminded me of one that I'm like, oh. That one's so good. So I'm gonna say my two favorites are one, Snatch. I love the movie Snatch. It's so good. Has such a great cast of actors. It mixes comedy so well with just crazy heist action. Ah, oh, it's it's such a great movie. And that that has the, all those good tropes that you want to see during a heist movie. The second one that Sean, you reminded me of that I wasn't thinking of, I definitely wasn't thinking of it, is Reservoir Dogs. That movie is brilliant (laughs) it's old but oh my gosh that movie's so good i think it might be my favorite quentin tarantino movie i don't know i really like django and chain but reservoir dogs is so you want
3: to talk about a heist that goes wrong
1: (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's a that's that's a really
3: those are really really good examples i mean i i haven't even seen some of them so i'll do uh i'll have to go and check out the inside man that sounds pretty good so you know what what are some other heist examples that are kind of not like your standard like plan it do the crime and you know get get away with it without you know getting killed like everybody in
0: (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) this is the second recent Um, episode that's had spoiler (laughs) alerts in it
1: That movie's so old. Yeah, <laughs> it's 10 years, isn't it? What is it, five years, oh, years? I think it's I think it's older than I think that. Like it's over like a
0: year old. Spoiler alerts are more right, than okay. Because I
3: was just going to go and mention to you that uh, uh, Luke's father is Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler
1: just alert. In case. Come on,
3: it's only been like 35 years. <laughs> you know, with the new Star Wars coming out, somebody might need to know that. Yeah, All right. right. So some other examples would be like an escape one. So the Great Escape and Shawshank Redemption are great examples of an elaborate plan to escape from somewhere right whether it's you know a prison like escape from alcatraz or whether you're trying to escape as pow's so that's pretty cool because if you do get captured and you know you're you know you're in a kind of a wartime campaign you're captured by a bunch of orcs you know it's you and a bunch of other kind of good guys you know you can go and organize a an escape of you uh i think even captain america um the first movie has a little bit of an escape thing they kind of free everybody but it wasn't planned it was just kind of like they fell into it right right right. so that's the difference is it has to be planned you can't just be like oh we freed everybody because we beat the big bad i think when i first started in DD it was like every time they beat the big bad a bunch of nbcs were in jail cells behind them <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i think i could do better than this but you know what i mean right yeah right right so another one would be like the comedy kind of angle i mean you know some heists have like uh, like snatch have funny elements but you can have ones where it's like a heist and you wouldn't even know it because it seems like it's just a comedy. For example, the awesome movie Office Space, um oh, so Lady good. Killer, Bottle Rocket, Fish Called Wanda. Are they super heist like? But I mean like people are trying to come up with like they're trying to pull something off and you know slapstick type antics are happening or
0: Yeah, Office Space being the funny white collar heist movie Lady and Killers also is them my favorite out of those. Also them well, trying or... to uh Steal the fax machine. Yep. That's a heist in and of <laughs> yeah, itself. It is, it's a heist within a heist. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, mean,
3: I don't even know where you would fit Inception. I mean, like that's like a heist in within a dream within oh, a dream. Oh yeah,
1: it it's, it's definitely like, a heist yeah. movie. It's got all those tropes, but it's definitely breaking that down the walls of like thinking outside of that box. Oh for yeah, heist movies. and yeah. then
3: the last one is the stop heist. So you know you were talking about. Um, I can't remember if it was in this interview or when we were just talking about the, the idea of doing this is that uh, you would have to look at your alignment. We're good guys. We're lawful good. We can't do a heist. We can't steal no matter what. Well, you can sure stop the heist. So yeah, whether right. it's like Die Hard, Die Hard is a Christmas party. And all of a sudden he's John McClane's in the middle with bare feet having to go and stop this elaborate Hans Mueller or whatever his name is, like doing like the crime <laughs> of the century in the Nakatura Tower or whatever it is. I can't remember the, name. But you know what I mean, yeah. right? you're right and like right. you know he's this one guy trying to go in and, and stop this so you could have your players like all of a sudden they're like what we're just why are we like in here you're just like the guns are on you or like the the spears <laughs> are on you and these guys are doing a heist just like you know when the cops in the bank or whatever so you need to stop this heist you're watching this thing there's a guy with a stopwatch or the medieval version of it i don't know a sundial watch that's when uh, a sand a sand yeah, timer he's got, like, or you know, whatever. whatever there's this one guy's like <laughs> All right, we're half, we're half sand in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? And like, you know, they have masks, or whatever. And, you know, you can be all of a sudden thrown in that scenario. And it's like, uh, what are we going to do, guys? Uh, we're just going to sit here quietly and wait for them to leave.
0: <laughs> we'll throw them our guns and walk <laughs> yeah. away.
3: But, you know, whether it's a modern campaign or whether it's medieval, I mean, you could go and have your players be victims or find out about it. From there, there's also things like the Pink Panther, where, you know, you're, you're actually on the police side. So, you know, you're trying to you're either hired by the police or you're the police and, you know, you find you catch wind of of a heist and your peers can think you're an idiot because there's no way anyone or whatever. It's impossible. No one would ever try to steal from there.
0: And you have to make sure to ask for a hamburger, is what you have to ask exactly. for.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen the Steve Martin one. I heard it wasn't uh Oh, oh that's it. what that's from. I like to
1: buy a debug owl.
3: <laughs> a debug <owl>. All right. <laughs> that's enough <laughs> of that.
1: How old did you think that Reservoir Dogs was, was Sean?
3: I don't know. Like 10 years? Like 1994 or something?
1: It's 23 years old today, so... Well, not oh. today, but <laughs> oh, so wait, it's from, is maybe from today when anyway? you listen to this podcast. But so that's an old movie, but yes, it's a sir. good one. So, Sean, you mentioned before with heist that there are common elements that seem to pop up in all these different heist movies or literature. What are some of those elements that are common to a heist?
3: Well, I think when someone's writing a heist, they like to put their own stamp on it by either modifying or pulling one of these out. But in general, I think that you need an exotic location. So the Gringotts Bank or a casino or, you know, a European uh, villa, you know, something like that, right? You need to be stealing something. Generally, it can be uh, the fantasy or the writing term, the MacGuffin, which is just, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just that your players need it and want it. But, you know, it could be, if it's tied in the campaign, you know, it could go on beyond being a MacGuffin and being something that's a little more central to the you know the overall campaign you need lots of obstacles and i i think yes. you have a good list of those yeah you do. need plot twists because it can't just be like okay so we went in and our plan That's went great yeah <laughs> <laughs> our plan went great and we're done so let's go in and yeah. then you
0: need a, you, oh that wasn't such a hard right? heist and, and you Man. need a nemesis
3: right i mean so um oh, even yeah. if it's a light nemesis i mean in or an yeah exactly. like in the case of the one i like which is the joker heist you don't have time to establish this great big like two act nemesis he's fighting, but the the bank manager he's in there is representative of the mob. He wants to go and hurt whether it's burning their money or whatever, and he gets to go and like you know hurt that guy right and 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 get away with it, even as he's telling him the whole time. So it's just a foil, someone to be against. You know, Ocean's Eleven. Andy Garcia does a great job.
0: Oh, such a good oh, movie. Was that too. Ocean's
3: Twelve? I can't remember. I get mixed up with which. No, I think with who's who. That's the I'll first be honest, one, I don't right? like those movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the yeah, first one. Like you know, yeah. and,
3: and you know, you just want—they're stealing his money. That's not nice. No, you want this guy's money. You want him to be poor. You want him to be sitting out there being like with his hands out of his pocket, right? That's and that's that's what you want to go and have that. This person has established themselves. You know, you could do a—I a, don't know if you know—the Duke's a Hazard. You could go and do a heist against Boss Hog, like
2: whatever you want,
3: right? Like you know, just it's somebody that you just hate. Throw some lieutenants in the way and whatever else, but you need that guy that if you can steal something from him, that makes the heist all the sweeter. And then the final thing you need is you need a team of...
1: Experts. People who know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you do. Or you could try it with
0: a team of people who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> There's your comedy one. Yeah, yeah right. You roll
3: your thievery check. You rolled a one, and yeah. you have minus 10.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, right. It's like it's like. <laughs> or that, you roll um, a ro- one yeah, with minus classic 10. classic heist movie where they like, scroll through the dudes and they say, like, this guy's the blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, And you have Joe, who is some guy. And you have
0: Robert (laughs) who is also some guy. Or you have it all in quotes. The thief, (laughs) quote unquote. (laughs) The other guy. The the other man does a
3: great job on this. They literally go across a lineup with them lineup cards and like explain each each person's thing. And then they go and have (laughs) the an accidental heist ahead of schedule. (laughs) Rock a (laughs) raccoon, he's playing so hard to have this heist and he's got everything in order. And then all of a sudden, his timetable gets ruined. The obstacles don't need to be a trap or don't need to be a lock. It could be something as simple as like, oh, by the way, remember when we said it was in two weeks? It's tomorrow.
0: So now you have to try and fast forward your plans a little bit and get them ready, especially if you were still in the planning stages. So speaking
3: of the planning stages, so we talked about some of the common elements. A a heist in a movie generally has three acts. And depending on whether it's a reservoir of dogs and they go backwards or they kind of start at the end and, and bring you back to the beginning, in general, the structure of a heist, you have the first act, which is the preparation. So in Ocean's Eleven, it's going and getting the idiot brothers out of jail or out of the factory or whatever it is. It's going and digging up Matt Damon, wherever he is. You know what I mean?
0: On the subway in Chicago, yeah, you know, I think is where he was. Yeah. So,
3: and, you know, what's really cool is as your guy, everybody who's on the team, that could be even like your way you go and have everybody meet instead of you meet in a tavern. You know, so everybody has their concept. Like, okay, I'm a rogue, I'm a bard, I'm a, the muscle. You know, like they'll go and kind of pick their role so that when you're creating your character for a campaign, if you want to do a heist campaign or, or an arc, yeah everyone would kind of pick their role they're going to be in that, right? Like, oh, I'm the halfling, so I'm the second story man. What you want to go and do is you want to gather up the team. Well, you're also going to go and learn about what you're robbing. So usually they'll be the master plan guy or somebody will hire you and go say, hey, I want you guys to steal this from me. So you'll be given details about that you'll need to go and do the second act, which is heist itself. Hopefully in the first act, you've had some time to go and plan and learn about the security, do some uh, surveillance, you know, and even from a story perspective, plant some seeds for plot twists that will that we'll come to. So in the second act, to be successful, you should have some unexpected events. So we mentioned earlier, timetable changes, or somebody gets put in jail, or all of a sudden, you can't get one of the things you needed. Like, oh, you really, really needed some fake gold bars to swap. Well, you don't have them anymore. Now you got to paint silver bars, whatever. Something happens, like, you know, and all of a sudden they're way heavier or the weight's off or, you know, you had to do a scale thing or who knows.
2: Something goes wrong. wrong.
3: (laughs) And then the third act is that unraveling. So your twists come out and your plot comes out. You know, the characters turn on each other. If somebody's made a deal with somebody else, that deal comes into play. So when you're doing a heist, you know, you want to go, you could encourage your players. This is their chance to do a little player versus player if they're maybe not like a strong team where they could go and be doing, whether if you're playing online, they could be in another window with you or they're sending notes to you about something they did. And it's like, oh, okay, I see that. And then you're just smiling, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could even incite that by maybe the whole entire group of like, you have that team isn't filled up by just players, but by a couple NPCs. And what if there is an NPC in the mix who wants to kind of, Get away with all the gold, and maybe one of your PCs finds out about that and confronts him. And he's like, "Hey, just join me. The nice. two of us together." Yeah, I mean. right. Now we've brought up ideas like this on the podcast before. and We always say, "Know your group," yeah. <laughs> because this that could, could turn into quickly. friends hating each other, or this could be something that some some people would be like, "That was brilliant. Well done. Like, I applaud you." Just know your group. Well, That's and all we said
3: saying. at the beginning secretly every guy wants to be in a heist just not go to jail for 20 years <laughs> right yeah exactly which is like the biggest fear of office space they continuously are out <laughs> they're constantly out there paranoid about crime.
0: <laughs> well they're they're What's so the paranoid naheer, about it they put it back nah, at the end
1: jinajad nah, <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's easy to <laughs> not, say not it's not gonna hear the jinajad <laughs> Michael Bolton, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what,
3: you know, what they want to go and do is have your players have fun. Just like everybody wants to be in a heist, I don't think anybody wants to be betrayed in a heist.
0: <laughs> right, right, because that happens so much in the It's like, you know,
3: like the other thing is like everybody wants to be in a heist and everybody wants to kill somebody who betrays them in a heist. So, yeah, right. So you, you know, the players are going to bring that to the table. They don't want to be betrayed. So you can either do it where if your players are really good at not acting on knowledge of their PC won't know, then they can RP it and they can handle it. Again, this isn't a movie, like you're not going to keep everything secret. There's going to be things the players are going to know and you know, they're going to know when things are unraveling over in 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 the vault even though they're in the getaway wagon, right? You're going to need your players in a lot of cases. You can't keep sending two guys out of the room.
1: Well, and you you can conquer that by having some kind of magical walkie-talkie system. Like there's spells that allow things like that to happen. You can have your characters have some sort of item that's been enchanted with the spell that allows them to talk to each other at all times, or even see each other at all times. Didn't we talk about in one of the podcast episodes the like iPhones of the
0: D and D world <laughs> with the rocks? <laughs> Didn't we talk about the rocks that were enchanted? I, I think we did. I think at some we point. did talk about
1: that I, back I, a long time familiar. ago. That's like a
3: level two. Like in level two, my players get a bag of holding and 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 rock walkie talkies. <laughs> Walkie <laughs> talkies. <laughs> yeah, you
1: you break down if if players have or if you as a DM have this like inward like struggle with like oh but that's character and player knowledge meshing and I can't stand that. And personally, as a as a DM, I can't stand that. So I would just answer that problem with some sort of artifact or item that the players have that allows them to see or hear each other at all times, which would be very useful in this kind of a And campaign.
3: then you could break it and then you
1: right, could break right. it well, and then send them out of the I room think especially Get depending
0: out. on like how valuable the heist is i think the more valuable the item is that you're trying to go after or whatever i would think the more money and the more time you would spend on this so they might have more precautions like rock walkie talkies yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah. i think for i think for rock walk- i think for stealing like something that's on a cart going to a city that you still have to plan out a little bit because it's got guards like I I don't think you'd need rock walkie-talkies. But if you're trying to steal, like, a multi-million gold item or something like that, it's going to take a little bit more preparation and time. So (laughs) rock walkie-talkies might come in handy then.
1: You said they could break Sean, but what I thought of is... What if they don't break? What if a member of the, like what if a detective or something gets their hands on one of these things and so they're listening in at all times or they can see you or whatever it is. Saruman has the other <laughs> orb. you got to watch out. <laughs> He's watching you. That would be pretty sweet too. A plot twist. Exactly.
3: And these plot twists should go and come into play like in, in that third act. So however you're going to go and structure your adventure, adventures aren't structured in acts. I mean, that's and scenes. They kind of are. But, you know, they're not like, oh, this is a three act with three scenes in each act. Like, you know, it's it's more like that, especially with your players planning things. It's it's going to go differently. But, you know, you can still at the end of it, what's the twist going going to be and and figure that out? Are the characters captured by the law? Maybe this was their plan. Maybe they get captured and like, you know, they're getting pulled away and the person who captured them is actually on the team. Right. Or maybe the characters get away but they don't have the loot. Like, you know, they had to drop the money, but they didn't go to jail. Maybe there's like double heist going on. Maybe they're against another team of adventurers and those guys are laughing all the way to, to the island because they have the treasure, but at least the double cross didn't end up with them in jail. Maybe they've been hired by somebody and they go and do the whole heist and then they find out the whole thing was just a for something else.
1: Those are some classic tropes. Uh, I think need to be, especially the double cross. Like there's always double cross in a heist. There's got to be somebody. Well, I feel like
0: just the lure of having so much wealth and power would automatically make somebody want to think about double-crossing.
1: Especially if you're playing, like, an evil or a neutral campaign heist. Like, there's no way somebody isn't in that group waiting for that opportunity to come along to be like, I can get away scot-free With all this, (laughs) even in a good campaign, you can have somebody posing as a good character that, oh, yeah, we have to get that powerful item from the evil wizard. And he is an evil wizard who just has like, you know, he's he's just trying to trick you guys like the double cross is perfect for a heist campaign. It should be. utilized. I love
3: that idea of like you have a, a PC and he's like the friendly old wizard. Meanwhile, he's got like, he's actually a 35 year old rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Good at disguising, or maybe he's a doppelganger. (laughs) So, Sean, you mentioned that the structure of a movie, those with flashbacks and things like that, where things in a movie are revealed from the past that make everything make sense in the movie later on, that doesn't work. Obviously, in a campaign setting, especially because it's it's revealed to the audience, but characters know. And if you're playing the characters, you can't do that kind of thing. So that doesn't work for a adventure campaign. So what does work for an adventure campaign? You know, if
3: you were really, really good at bait or something, maybe you could make a swing. But in general, it, it, you're going to have to go and try a different way. So what you need to do is you need to make sure that your kind of outline that you create on your own or kind of shell out and then create with the players, has some common element. Really, the first three are up to you, or maybe the players can help. But the last part is really up to the players. So the first thing you need, as we mentioned before, is something to steal. You can't have a heist without something to steal. It could be someone, it could be something. It could, you know, it could even be stealing freedom. But it's something that you're stealing, something you're taking away or or, or getting back. You know, it could be a defined object like a jewel, or it could just be a MacGuffin like Pulp Fiction. Again, what's in the briefcase? Nobody knows. Like that, that doesn't matter. Everybody's dead, and like. You never go and find out even where they're after,
1: right? And who's who's making this job? Like you said, like what's in the briefcase? What's in the crate or whatever that you're stealing? Like Who is hiring you to do this job? Is it the guy who's like the boss, the planner? Is he the one behind him? He's like, don't worry. like You guys will get your pay. Is there some other person on the other that you don't even know who he is? Like The boss is the only one who has contact with him. But they're like, no, you guys are getting paid, but you don't know what you're stealing. Your payoff is whatever this client pays you. The box. You are not to look at that. If you do, you you are in trouble. We will hunt you down and kill you. Whatever it is. But then there's. I mean, like you said, it could be. It could be a gem. It could be just coffers of gold. And I think that's an interesting point to bring up because the more mass, the more sheer volume that this thing you're trying to steal takes up, the harder it is to get away with it. Like a huge diamond worth so much gold is a lot easier to carry away than so much gold itself <laughs> like well, and, and, but and and that's the gold. cool
3: thing right because the first thing you do is you say what are they going to steal okay so you got some parts in that one who asked you to steal it did they come up with it on their own did someone hire them but even more important if it's something to steal well, moving fourteen million dollars in hundred dollar bills is really heavy. You can't just stick that in your pants and walk out the door. No. <laughs> right. But you know, if you go and have something like a like the jewel thief is always fun, like the cat burglar stealing the gem, or cut or Thomas Crown cutting the picture out of the frame and oh, rolling it up. Such
0: a good movie, <laughs> right? Like so,
3: those things are cool. So depending on which style you want to do, the MacGuffin or the treasure, whatever it is, should represent the style. Like if you want them to go and do a lightweight. Sneak and be able to run away. Well, don't saddle them with like you know seventy six tons of silver bars. Yeah, right. But if that's right. the cool thing, if you want the whole thing and be like, how are you guys gonna move this stuff? It's like, oh, don't worry, we got it. We got we got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we we, hey. we we got we gotta know him. He'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> we gotta yeah. know him. He'll figure it out. <laughs> so that's
3: the thing. The, the, the something is steel. It can be so much more than just oh, uh, let's steal a diamond, which is totally awesome if that's what you want to run a loose a light campaign, but. I'm sorry, a light heist, but if you wanted to go and make it like where there's a logistics issue, you know, and that would be fun for your players figuring that part out. How are you going to move this? How are we going to get rid of it once we have it? So that can be fun.
1: In a fantasy campaign, it breaks beyond like wealth to to go to power. I mean, you could have it be a extremely rare and powerful magical artifact that once the PCs get that like it could almost make it easier to escape because well you just acquired an artifact that's really powerful and so any opposition you run into well you just disintegrate them or whatever well, it but is. then what happens too if you get
0: this item and it is magically enhanced and it's like it's in somewhere that's good and you're trying to break in as like a neutral mercenary and you're like oh crap i don't want this thing to get out of here yeah. now what do i do <laughs> i'm inside i tried stealing it yeah If I put it back and get caught, I'm still going to jail. If I get out, the whole world could end. Like, (laughs) what do I do now? And
3: that's a great twist, right? Where now you're doing the reverse heist, right? Like, all of a sudden, you figured out the heist. Or, like, you know, you've been hired because somebody else can't do the heist. And you find out, oh, my goodness, they're hiring me to do this. I need to stop them now. So, you know, (laughs) that's a great twist.
1: Yeah. If it is that hidden thing and then you find out, oh my gosh, this is what they want me to give to them. I can't do that. Like they want world domination and they could possibly get it with this. I don't want that. Like the money they're going to pay me isn't
3: going to (laughs) matter. So it really can be like Pulp Fiction is great. And what they were stealing was so unimportant that that can be great too. Or, you know, there's other ones where like what you're stealing is really, really important. Like I'm trying to think of a specific uh, example, but there's ones where what you're stealing is even more important than the heist itself. I mean like that's the story, right? It's a specific painting or I think the Pink Panther is a diamond named the Pink Panther, right? Like yeah. So I yeah. mean like that it's the title itself is probably pretty important. Like that is a focal point of, you know, everybody wants that specific gem, right?
1: Or you talked about plot twists in itself. There could be a plot twist in the item itself. It could be a piece of art that is like really expensive, but it's not crazy world domination, anything like that. And then you steal the art, and you find out that it gets damaged in the travels. And you find out there's something hidden in the back. If you cut open the painting, there's something else. And you like, whether it's a map or an item itself that is far, far more powerful than the item that you were stealing. And you're like, oh, this is why I was hired. Like... This is worth way more than the thing that I was hired. This item itself is hiding something even more powerful, or worth way more riches than the other thing. There's a plot twist in the item that you're stealing itself. And what do you do once it comes to that? That it's like you. It seems like oh, we've got away scot-free, and now we can return it and get paid. But now we just figured out we've been kind of being duped. This is more than what we thought it I was. I changed my choice. <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, no, I want I want to go and change my vote from uh, the Dark Knight, which is awesome, to National Treasure because what you just said. There you go. Is a perfect. I didn't example, know if right? we they, were like, considering that good. as a heist or not. Yeah, I thought about I was like, it. That yeah, so like good. they're it great. Like they're good people. They're not criminals, and yep. like everyone is like, don't be a criminal. You can't do it. Like you're, whether it's the dad or anyone, they steal the Declaration of Independence, which you know is very valuable, and they don't want to see destroyed, right? And no. you know the bad guy. Will destroy it. So, I mean, like, they're, they're, it's a double heist. It's a great, it's a really good heist movie. I don't know if anyone here is, is, hates or loves Nicolas Cage from movie to movie. But (laughs)
0: either way, Riley makes that movie so much better. (laughs) I both hate and love him. (laughs) (laughs) The guy that plays Riley easily counteracts. You could
3: do that, right? I mean, you could run something like that where, you know, you need to get it so that the villain doesn't, you know, get the final. I don't know, infinity ring or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could you could be racing against somebody else to do the same heist and like you run into them mid heist, like oh crap, what are you guys doing? Yeah, over? so
3: so I mean that's a good one. And especially like if you use national treasure as a template or Fast and the Furious, you know, that's great because a lot of people have parties that tend to be neutral good, right? Hopefully not chaotic good. <laughs> we're just like, oops, we're so nice, but we burned the village. <laughs> Sorry. We'll put it out. So that's something to steal. So number two is a location. Well, just as much as what we're stealing is important and can be almost like a character in itself, the location is really important, whether it's a 10 levels deep in a casino or whether it's an art gallery or, you know, something—it it generally something that is exotic, right? I mean, it's not like just, oh, you're walking into a building and stealing something out of like a jewelry case. So can you guys think of any uh,
1: locations? Oh, yeah. I wrote down a whole list of things that could be the location of where this item or items or whatever it is whatever you're trying to steal could be hidden you just mentioned two uh, right off the bat one being casino which i didn't think of but a couple other ones are a mansion like there could it could just be some wealthy guy who lives in a really nice mansion and inside whatever it is you're trying to steal that's where it is. Maybe he has an item that he doesn't even know that's important at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he yeah, maybe he has an item, but he has so many crazy items. They're like all these beautiful art things, but Maybe that's that plot twist item is in there. He doesn't know he's got it. You as the thieves don't know he's got it. And then you find that item, that painting, and you figure out, oh, there's something more. This is why we were hired to steal this when there was other artwork around it that was way more valuable. Obviously, a big one is a bank. There's um, got to be stuff in a bank. I know we've mentioned a couple times, but the Gringotts Bank is such a good example of like a high fantasy bank with all these traps and and tunnels and you try and break in there and guess what you're probably going to get lost or killed <laughs> like you're you're not breaking out of gringotts and lot. it's
3: got a minecart escape <laughs> exactly yeah exactly
1: and then you can fly out on a dragon uh <laughs> but but yeah a bank is a classic a bank's gonna have a lot of things uh, as far as traps obstacles locked uh vaults things like that that are perfect for this kind of heist campaign a fortress would be another one there could be something inside of a fortress that maybe it's even there because it is a powerful i feel like this would be a good place for that powerful artifact to be held oh, in a yeah. highly guarded fortress maybe it's even there because this is a fortress that like defends a kingdom it's like you know it's defending a kingdom in this area and the reason they keep this really powerful item there is in case all hope is lost we will break out this crazy powerful item and use it right <laughs> forget the name of it but that suit of armor that odin builds and is in the oh, first the destroyer Thor movie. The Destroyer, like, that is, like, meant to be a last-ditch effort. Like, it's not meant to just be, like, used whenever. It's like, oh, boy, we have to break out the Destroyer. That would be something... In the movie, that's something that Loki wants to get his hands on. Like, the bad guys want to get their hands on it. It's held in a fortress. You got to break into it well, Yeah, fortress. and that's
3: a heist. There you go. The beginning of Thor is a heist, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And Loki is part of that team, right? And anything underground, I think, is makes it interesting. If you have to steal something from a dwarven, like... City Bank Mansion, whatever it is, underground. <laughs> every part of that makes it more difficult because it's not just the place you have to break in, but then you have to get back to the surface. Like you have to escape from the underground city through the tunnels, anywhere like that. That just adds to that as Steal well. Steal the
3: gems from the Drow Queen. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, that <laughs> it's would a be a long way home. <laughs> that is dangerous, right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
1: Wow. Dragon's Horde. We can all think of the Hobbit, which worst is worst heist ever. <laughs> it, which uh, is sure i'll reveal myself to the which dragon. <laughs> is a short book or a really stinking long drawn out movie and whichever one you want to choose but yeah that's a that's a fantasy heist worst heist ever didn't work out that well but that's you know <laughs> you could have dragons in D D and all fantasy lore they all seem to be greedy the evil ones especially and they want that hoard of gold i don't know why they want hordes of gold it doesn't really make sense like they're not going and spending it they just like the shiny. that's why I the guess. dragons
0: in my world don't care about <laughs> hordes no they don't, <laughs> no, they don't.
1: <laughs> well that stinks <laughs> i guess we're not getting rich off these dragons they were killing in your campaign <laughs> we'll find out uh but yeah so like dragon a dragon horde is a perfect place, and. I mean what bigger obstacle is there besides a ancient red dragon sleeping on a pile of gold? And there you have piles of gold that's difficult to get away. You're not going to be able to sneak in and just pluck it from the dragon. Or
3: you could steal just one thing from the dragon. Yeah,
1: the arkenstone yeah. and he'll know. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, but yeah. like you know, you're sent in to go and get just one item from the dragon and you know the dragon doesn't notice and then they or the dragon's supposed to be away and then
1: <laughs> Yes, and then he's not away. Instead of a red
3: dragon, you could be hired to steal an item from like a good dragon like a gold dragon dragon. yeah so like that would be an interesting heist because you know you're not going to kill the gold dragon whatever else and but you know gold dragons they like their magic books so they like their gold just the same as a red and you know you got to go in and get this special spell book which they're not going to give up but you know you could even be good and be like well we need this book to save the world and you know he's not going to give it up so let's do the
1: (laughs) heist Yeah, or you could be evil and you could fight that gold dragon. Oh, or you could be evil and hired by a red dragon to steal something from a gold dragon. So many layers to the heist.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a Dungeon and Dragons heist should have dragons and dungeons.
1: Oh (laughs) yeah. Right? Wow. (laughs) Let's box ourselves in here. Revolutionary. That's why
3: I'm here. That's why you guys keep bringing it back. I never thought of that.
0: (laughs) Bum bum bum. But
3: but the question, you know, Wi Fi the obvious, right? I mean, like, you know, they are they are great elements to throw in there and, and bring the two genres together, the heist and the fantasy. Yeah.
1: Sometimes those old tropes are the best. Like (laughs) <laughs> if you if you play Dungeons and & Dragons and you're always of the opinion like, ah, I don't want to do a campaign with Dungeons & Dragons because that's in the name, everybody does it, but you never do a campaign with Dungeons & Dragons, then your players are going to be like, dude, it's not a trope to us. Like, what the heck? Yeah, right, we want to see right. some dungeons. We <laughs> want to see some dragons, man. So don't shy away from the, things like that just because they're tropes. Just the point is not to use them all the time. Another one I thought would be really cool would be having to have a heist from like an underground crypt like where possibly the traps are once things are once you steal this item maybe it's really easy to get in and get that item but as soon as you take that crown off that dead king's head well the whole place everything just wakes woke up, up. Well, yeah and that's the
3: Indiana Jones right where like he planned yeah. it he had the sand and everything. It's not really a heist but like you know he it's it's more like a, a, a treasure hunt. But you know it has those elements, and you know that, that But it, it it's a well. heist
1: if you're stealing from undead. Exactly. All yeah, all of a and, and, and then and then along. the problem is not getting in. The problem is getting out. Yeah. Then
3: you—that's the idea, right? And your players are going to be so mad because they're like they plan this, they plan that, and like everything went smooth, right? Until like click. <laughs>
1: And speaking of, like, dangerous situations, I don't think there's anything more dangerous than a heist that takes place stealing some powerful thing from a temple. Because if it's powerful enough, you're not just going to have some, like, zealous worshippers of a god on your case and trying to find you. But you're going to have a god themselves that has now said, you are my enemy, I'm coming after you. And I don't think there's a lot of hiding to do from a god. (laughs) So... That could be extremely dangerous. Another place would be museums. Uh, Museums could hold many types of artifacts and really valuable things. A castle stealing something from a king. Stealing the crown of a king, (laughs) that would be crazy. you see that with
3: the heist (laughs) to steal the crown jewels in England,
1: right? Yep, exactly. And this one would be a really cool one, I think, as well, and a place to put a lot of cool obstacles, but a wizard's tower? Like steal. anything is possible in that place because <laughs> we all know that wizards live in towers that's why I said a wizard's tower because that's where have the wizards to. always have to live so you steal something from wizard's tower and of course it's going to be the top floor of the tower that the thing that you want is going to be at and there's going to be extra dimensional space and there's going to be all these crazy magical traps and magical creatures that might be summoned to attack you and you don't want to wake up the powerful wizard <laughs> that's a crazy heist right
3: there I, and that's something that D&D can offer that you're not going to go and see in a Tarantino movie that well, unless he no. jumps genres again
1: Come on, Tarantino. No, no, wizard he's heist he's movie.
3: You know, I didn't like the fantasy uh, with the the hobbits and stuff. I'm going to make my own.
1: <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening right now, <laughs> which you, we highly doubt, we yeah. want to see a wizard heist movie. <laughs> Coming fall 2017. <laughs> the,
3: the rated R fantasy movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think the only other thing we would I would say that I have on here, and the reason I have it all in caps is because it fits into everything that we just talked about, but the vault (laughs) the vault itself is a location you should have in a heist (laughs) whether it's a, a literal vault or something like i feel like that place that holds that item is going to be the strongest the most well protected and potentially the most dangerous and like you you mentioned like that indiana jones moment of switching with the sandbags it also could be like that point where as soon as you take it Something bad could terribly well, it could happen. It so many elements of so many the places. The
0: vault represents
3: like halfway point, right? That you've got yes. all the way in and now you've got to get all the way out again. And like, exactly. that's when you can go and turn the whole thing over or you can let them get all the way out and turn it over. But if you do it then, like in in D&D, that's probably a little bit better than letting them get out again because now they're not just reversing what they just did, right? Like it's a whole different yeah. set of rules and stuff. For them. And the other thing that's really cool is that you can take that vault if they have the right planning and they know what it looks like and they can run a practice vault. So you can have them run the whole entire scenario, practice, you know, roll it and all the rest of it, have them do the checks. And they'll be like, Oh, we got this. <laughs> Cause they've already done it. Right. Like.
0: Well, that's exactly what they did in, yeah. uh, oceans 11. Right, when but they I mean, ran you can play that.
3: You can do that in D and D and people will be like, yes, I want to go and do that. <laughs> they'll totally want to go and run the D and D version of a practice run. But you make them roll it out. Like, okay, you know, you got to go and pick the lock, roll, roll the thing. And, you know, when they get into that, if you're going to go and make them do it once, probably don't make them do it twice. Like that's, you know, that's basically you foreshadowing that it won't go this easy because <laughs> you don't yeah. want them to just go and say, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, can we just take my role from last time?
1: <laughs> is that still no. in effect? <laughs> is my
3: charisma check still going?
1: You might, you might hear that a lot in a heist campaign. <laughs> yeah, Because the, the, one of the biggest dangers I feel like with a heist campaign is... All it takes is one little thing to go wrong, and everything's going really wrong. All those traps that might be set up, they all have the potential to set off some sort of alarm. That's really what, something is well protected, a trap that's set off in the wrong way is probably going to switch an alarm. So
3: moving on to the opposition, like we were just talking about traps and all that. What are some things that are good things to put in front of the players to make it so they can't just walk in the front door and walk out again? Yeah, some obstacles. You know, like, for example, guards, security systems, people yeah. that are opposing you because they the parallel heist. Yeah,
1: have example. monsters in and of themselves. Exactly. Just scattered throughout Green the Gringotts had a dragon in it, yeah. like the chain dragon. Like, you can have monsters in there. I think just something typical is locked doors.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that if you don't have a rogue, you're going to either be bashing down the door, which is going to make a heck of a lot of noise, or you're just going to be stuck looking at a door,
1: that you have no idea how to get through. You need somebody to open some locked doors or to bust it down. Yeah. Right. Like you're not gonna walk right in. That's that's gonna be the case. And I think they're gonna be thick doors, they're gonna be thick walls surrounding whatever you're trying to steal should be well protected. That's that's a huge point. Like you have those guards, you have those traps, obviously there's gonna be traps besides locks on all the doors on the floors like all these things add up to make different kinds of you obstacles. know
3: locks are great but i mean your fighter is going to sit there and be like yawning so when you make the opposition in this instead of it being great cinema or whatever i mean oceans 11 is great because what are they got 11 guys i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> give, give or sure. take pretty sure <laughs> 12 13 whatever so you have 11 guys and you have 11 jobs so we're going to talk about the some of the the jobs and and you know that are good for such as races or classes later but you know, your opposition, there should be something for everyone. So, you know, your thief should have locked and your bard should have a social encounter they need to get by to get, you know, to romance the key or, or whatever it is, right, or, you know, to go and uh, disguise themselves and get through security, you know, maybe they're, you know, they need to get hired as a guard. So, you know, the all these things give everybody a job, like the fighter needs to go and hold open this thing because for whatever reason they can only keep it open for five seconds unless he holds it up with his 20 strength right so whatever it is i mean you go and give everybody a job and the opposition whether it's you know specific lieutenants or or a skill check or whatever else you know you want these things to be jobs for everybody right so i think that's the fun part.
1: yeah and i think that you know with a dnd campaign you can get past just simple traps Guards, locked doors, thick walls, like there's all these other elements that you can add in. Like you you joking around said, like, oh, like it's a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. There's gotta be Dungeons and Dragons in this heist, right? But like really, like a vault, a whatever you're trying to steal from can be very dungeon-like, those classic dungeons. Besides just having like locks on doors, there could be like magical ward effects that like can only be broken down by either some kind of counter spell or there's just some other way to break it down which hopefully your characters have found the blueprints or something that they're not going to just run in and run up to something that it's like we have no idea how to get past this because i i imagine in a D world if it were real that heist attempts would a lot of the times end with Oh, no. (laughs) They hired a wizard, and we don't know how to break down this wall. And they just let you go home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And you have things,
0: too. Like, uh, you could have illusions that are, you know, either set to guard, quote, unquote, a specific area. And, like, there are things that you think are absolutely real. So you could have a dragon, but it's an illusion. And people will really think it's real until they're absolutely convinced it's not there.
1: And there are magical illusion effects that will actually do damage to you until you figure out it's an illusion. I was just reading a book,
0: Temple of Elemental Evil in the Greyhawk series, and they had that with a basilisk. A guy Mm -hmm. looked at it and was petrified like standing there guy figured out that it was just an illusion and the guy still didn't come out from being petrified because it was all in his mind yeah. like he thought it was actually happening and so you can have things like that and from it,
1: illusions it could be something like that like you said like a monster or a creature or or a, a ton of guards that aren't even really there or it could be as simple as the floor is an illusion over a 200 foot drop into a pit of spikes <laughs> But like seriously, they—if I was protecting a magical item, I would want things like that you know, know, yeah. I, in in play. I think one of the things that if you want to have really powerful traps and devices that could literally be you figure it out or you die, this might be the campaign where you drop a blueprint in front of the players and go, "Oh, like here, we need to figure this out," or let them know the name of the wizard who protected this place and so their job is to either go and threaten or coerce that wizard into telling them what the traps yeah. are because if they just walk in but don't they just could give die. them
3: the blueprints right send the bard to go or send the, the rogue to go and steal it or to go and socially grab yeah, it like exactly. get the plans go to the city you know it's like oh yeah i've been dating the city planner for like three weeks
0: <laughs> yep yep <laughs> can you imagine how much different indiana jones would have been if you know that part where they go to find the holy grail and the floor is invisible the walkway is invisible when they get over there. Yeah. What if instead of the walkway being invisible, they had it completely visible, mm. and he just walked out into this empty pit? It's like end of movie. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Why didn't yeah. they have that as the yeah. pit instead of an invisible walkway? Come yeah. on. I, I think
3: but Indiana Jones is rolling like a like a, a five or less from dying in every scene.
0: Pretty much, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. yeah. <laughs> the floor is breaking all around him. He just happens to be right in the right spot. Mm-hmm. There's snakes all around him. He just happens to not get bit. Yeah.
1: Beyond those kind of things, I think some other obstacles could be just tunnels. It doesn't have to just be a small building that's holding it. It could be like a hole, it could be a labyrinth of tunnels oh, yeah. of corridors. and if you don't have a map or a blueprint, you could get lost. Chris, you're we're playing in my campaign on labyrinth right now. you guys don't have a map. And you guys have no idea where you guys are in it. Nope. It's very, if you have that kind of thing, a map or a blueprint is going to help you a lot more than trying to remember left, right, left, right, left, right. And the one time we tried to fly up above it, our character got killed. And chalk.
0: (laughs) And chalk doesn't work, all that stuff.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so you have to have a plan for that kind of thing. There could also be sorts of tests. We said, like, maybe there's magical wards and stuff. Well, maybe there's passwords that protect a door from opening. And if you don't find out what that password is before going into this, wherever this location is, you're not going to be able to get past it. (laughs) Everyone's favorite. Harry
3: Potter has, like, J.K. Rowling has come up with continuously great things that you can kind of modify or borrow. Like, whether it's having to drink a whole bunch of water or whether it's playing a game of chess, which is, you know, used in D&D and level one starter sets all the time. But, uh, you know, you get the idea that, that... there's all these kind of things where it doesn't have to be like, uh, I ask you three riddles. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's riddles the next course. one. Everybody's
0: classic would be riddles. Yeah, like, yeah. but, you know, it doesn't have there's... to be
3: that. It can be something where it's like a puzzle, right? Which is, you know, which is you're not going to have someone sitting there or, you know, maybe it could be. It's like all of a sudden they're like, why is this crazy NPC here, right? And, you know, yeah. it turns into a social encounter.
0: Well, Mitch, you remember the uh, the puzzle I made you guys do, the slide puzzle, yes. right? Oh, everybody hated that. And Caleb, Caleb was just like, it. "I love this," and he spent like forty five
1: minutes figuring out this. But slide that was puzzle. a good example of a somebody stepping up and being the expert. In yeah, there. right. And if we didn't have Caleb there, we would have been a lot in trouble. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, you brought up riddles, and uh, we do have riddles on the list. One thing you mentioned, even Harry Potter, and one of my favorite parts of the books that didn't make it in the movie, and I'm not really surprised that it didn't make it into the movie. But in the Goblet of Fire, they're running through that maze and harry runs into the sphinx that won't let him pass unless he answers riddles and like what if that was like part of a uh dungeon or a vault? there's a sphinx that you have to get past and it's like sphinx will either murder you on the spot or you can answer its riddles because the person who put them there has The sphinx
3: answers. is a great example and that's a great example of a monster it naturally yeah. fits in a heist i think that's a good, yes, really exactly.
1: good example so yeah riddles can be a riddles passwords they can be perfect for that thing yeah, And the yeah. players
3: could even know. I mean, like, players can be like, oh, by the way, in this room here on the map, there's a sphinx. they like, well, okay. Well, what are they going to ask? I don't know. Just be smart.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it could be in the blueprints, but it doesn't have the answers or anything like that yeah. if you have the blueprints. You could also have, like, false vaults where you're trying to get into this one vault, but there's multiple vaults that you're trying to break into, and you break into one, and there's nothing in there, or what you're looking for is not even there. And it's like, okay
1: crap everything we just planned for isn't working (laughs) or you get to the place and there's on the blueprint it says vault and you open the door and there's like a corridor of vaults yeah right (laughs) and you don't know which one is the right one or chris we just played tomb of horrors there is a false lich in that dungeon that the guide to the tomb of horrors actually says that if your players beat it, you look at them and you're like, so was that a hard campaign? Did you think that was good? And you try and coerce them into leaving <laughs> <laughs> after just beating the false leech and give them the idea out of out of character that they just won and then they find out later when they return to town that the lich is still alive and they beat a false one like you like that <laughs> is so messed up but like there it's almost that idea of like the false goal being put there like maybe it's an illusion or maybe you get into a vault you pick up that goblet that is that thing that you need and as soon as you leave this bank or whatever it is you realize you're holding a lump of coal <laughs> like how awful would that be the idea
3: be? here is to really make your players hate you <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you—that's the thing. I think that a, a a heist that's too easy would not be fun. You need yeah. to have these crazy things, and I think you do want to reward your players with that in that planning stage. As much effort in the, as, as they put into that, you need to reward them with that, and vice versa. If they don't put a lot of effort into that planning stage and trying to figure things out, or if they fail things in that, there has to be things that they're going to run into that are going to be an awful, awful, terrible time. So we talked about the nemesis or the nemesi, enemies of a campaign, and we of course mentioned a couple things that are obvious nemesis of a campaign, and that could be obviously the law. The law is an obvious one. The hand of the law is going to be after you as soon as they find out what you're doing. Uh, even if it's as well good, they should be <laughs> yeah even if it's a good aligned campaign they might have the wrong idea and think that you are trying to steal something unlawfully which it may be unlawfully but that doesn't mean that it's not for the right reasons and so the law the guards of the city the the guards of the vault or whatever you're trying to steal that is an enemy of the campaign it doesn't have to be the main enemy another enemy that it could be is the the owner of the item itself or items Uh, Whether it's a dragon, whether it's a wizard, whether it's a group of people, they are clearly not going to be your buddies because you're stealing something from them. They're going to be a little ticked off. Honestly, it could be someone that you never, ever meet in the campaign, or it could be a major character that ends up like you having to do battle with at the end or uh, get away from or whatever. They could be a huge enemy of you in this campaign. Uh, an interesting thing, and I, I think we mentioned it briefly, but uh, rival thieves. Maybe there's another group or groups that are also trying to steal from your group <laughs> and so or steal from this, this vault or whatever it is. And so you might have a run-in with them, and it might be like, uh-oh. In fact, you might break into this vault, and maybe they're right behind you trying to coattail you. And as soon as you get into that vault, you turn around, and they've got crossbows drawn on you. And they're like, all right. Thanks for getting in for us. Give us the item. Uh, Another enemy, of course, would be a traitor in the group. Uh, If if somebody's trying to double-cross you, that could end up being the enemy of the entire group besides that guy if he gets away with the item and you might have to hunt him down and get him. If we're talking about the law and maybe there's a price put on your head that you stole this item and now this guy who owned this item wants it back, And so you could have this on the run from the law, but also what about bounty hunters? Like bounty hunters coming after you to to hunt you down and maybe they don't care as much if they catch you and kill you. You know, you can have crooked cops and things like that, but the law is going to have this standard that uh, they're, supposed uh, they're supposed to hold up. Bounty hunters may have a code, but it's going to be a lot less caring towards you. Right. Well. Their job is to just get you back to whoever asked them yeah, to get you. Yeah, maybe they're part of a group of bounty hunters that follow a code. Maybe these bounty hunters are just a couple of thugs. Maybe they're mercenaries instead of just regular bounty hunters that have just been hired by that guy who said, get that item back by any cost and so they're going to be coming after you trying to kill you and then the last guy that could be an enemy in the campaign maybe this is that hook that starts this campaign off is why do you need to steal this item because there's some guy <laughs> that you owe money yes and so he's like you better pay me by this time or this is going to happen like this mafia like or dude. he threatens your family or something exactly like that. yeah. and that's a good point maybe that's why a good aligned campaign happens where you have to steal something because your family's in danger maybe somebody's taken your family and says i'm going to kill your family unless you go and steal this item for me then you have to say the typical line i will find you yeah (laughs) (laughs) i have a particular set of skills uh but yeah so those are a couple enemies so we talked about enemies now let's talk about the team dynamic. Uh, we we mentioned it before, but there is a breakdown in heist movies that, like a lot of times, you see it focuses on that one shot of that one guy, and the the screen freezes and it says, "Joe, the explosives expert." And so, like you He's have usually this a breakdown. really grizzled guy yeah, with like yeah. a cigar. The in cigar. His mouth. Oh yeah, but, gotta yeah. have always the cigar, and he got the handlebar mustache and, and he always big lights beard. the fuse with the cigar. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, what are some of the the elements of that team that you could have your PCs or your NPCs have that are on that team. Obviously, somebody's got to put this thing together. There's got to be a planner the boss, the leader. Another word that I like to describe it is the mastermind of the group. The guy who's in charge, the guy who comes up with the plan, uh, and that doesn't mean that he has to come with the entire plan. As a, as players, you all come up with it together. But he's
0: like the the guy that takes the role of planning.
1: At the very yeah. least, he might be the guy who hears out the plans and go and makes the calls on things mm-hmm. and makes the shots, and he's the guy who got that blueprint, that map. He's the one who put the team together, you know? Like, he's the guy that all the people answer to and have the Connection to maybe he is the only connection like everybody in the group knows him not everybody in the group knows each other but they all know that guy so if he was gone the team would basically fall apart yeah, yeah. exactly which is a really yep. good point that could be a plot twist <laughs> also you have that classic trope of the partner in crime so you have the mastermind the planner and then you have the guy who is that guy's best friend and so he's their partner in crime. Right. Um, maybe he fits another role, another like particular set of skills, but he is that partner, which I'll be honest right here, is that's the guy that I think drives the dagger the deepest if he turns out to be that guy who tries to double-cross. The right. guy who is like, I trust him with my life. I've known him my entire life. If he's the traitor, ooh, that can be really, really tough. Also, you you maybe it's not maybe the boss of the mastermind has somebody he answers to a client a backer the guy who's like bring me this item and i will pay you cuz like we said maybe your team doesn't want the item maybe your team wants to get the item to somebody else so that they can get paid a certain right. amount of gold and so that client and backer i think that would probably fall into npc category I don't I wouldn't want to play the client or backer right. in a campaign like I sit in my mansion while well, you go out and have the fun campaign but that is a part of a team then you get into all these other areas that can have like certain weapons and classes and skills but uh, like we said an explosive expert I I thought right away of the guy from Atlantis, like the uh, I like to blow things up oh, like, yeah. with the like cigar, like <laughs> yeah. he's he's yeah. perfect for that. And going along with that, then you have the mole character who is good at digging. I, just, I didn't even I have just, that down. I just but think the, of the
0: explosive guy has to look like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> like for some reason, I'm like explosions, Sylvester Stallone. Right. So he was a mastermind in that one. Uh, what was it? The Great Escape or something like that. Yeah. Awful movie, <laughs> but. Yeah, he should never well, be Well, no, mastermind. no. The
1: Great Escape is an amazing movie. No, what was the one i It was I'm called The of? Escape, I think. The Escape, The yeah. Great Him Escape and Arnold. is an amazing Him and Arnold movie. were yeah. like
0: masterminds. I was yeah. like, you guys are not
1: <laughs> masterminds at all. But yeah, The Explosive Expert. I thought of a sweet thing to do is we talked about animal companions and how they could help out. Well, what it, like I thought of In Wanted. You ever see that movie? Yeah. How the guy has the rats... And like he has the rats, and and at the end, oh, the explosive attach, rats! Yeah, they yeah, attach yeah. like bombs to the rats. Yeah. like that would be so cool. Yeah, like ha- as a guy, an explosive expert who has rats mm-hmm. as companions, that yeah. he puts. They explosives have the little on. watches on there. And, exactly. stuff like, that and like we said, yeah. you can you could d and d it by making the magical runestones that explode instead of like TNT. Also, there's of course the locks expert, which maybe the explosive guy is that as well. Or maybe the explosive guy is like, who needs a lock expert? I'm the explosives guy. But if you want to be a little bit more discreet, a locks expert, a locks specialist would be a good thing. A locksmith. A trap expert somebody who's really good at finding traps who is good at disabling traps uh, maybe setting the traps back up so nobody knows you were here you need of course somebody who's the brawn the muscle of the group (laughs) the guy who's there to protect the other guys or like we said the fighter who if you run into a dungeon and there's a a dragon in there you want that tank because you don't want a bunch of like little locksmiths going ah running away it's It's like it's like all
0: a bunch of little key masters from the matrix running around (laughs) exactly
1: exactly key masters nice dude the key master was sweet though he (laughs) was until he got hit by like yeah. 17 bullets yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and survived. spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> another role that it can be filled is that inside man we've talked about that uh the gadget guy the guy who has the utility belt all the types of gadgets mm-hmm. that can be used or batman yep going along with inside man i think this kind of fits too is a con man somebody like i think that's perfect for a bard yeah the inside yeah. man or the, the con man who can coerce and trick people into information and of course in D, &D, you're probably not going to have a driver in the sense of like i've got the cab out front right it could be like the stagecoach that he's got out front (laughs) so he's the driver yeah once again i feel like that fits more of an npc but i i would like to have a driver in a heist like who doesn't want to have a driver you need to run out to a coach jump in and be like go 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 right or somebody (laughs) that has johnny's not here leave johnny behind or or
0: somebody that has some sort of like flying mount or something like that that you guys have to get on, Griffins, yeah. man. Griffins, yeah.
1: <laughs> Crew are in the heist. That'd be uh, sweet. Yeah, Good yeah. heist. Yeah. And then there's a couple other things that really aren't specialized things, but in movies you always there's always the new guy. Everybody's like, Who's the new guy? Like what the heck? Like we've been on heist for years. Like, who's this new guy? And so you could have a character play, the new guy, who has to prove himself to right, the group. Right. You can have the fall guy. We talked about items. Well, what if the item was cursed? Or like there's a trap that instantly kills somebody and so you you're like you brought this one dude along and didn't tell him well he's supposed to pick up the item instead of the trap just so he dies right, right. <laughs> or he's the guy that you plant the stuff on and he takes the rap for it like the fall guy of course most people aren't going to be like i'll be the fall guy yeah, it's right. going
0: to be a trick it's more like everybody else is in on the fall yeah, guys except for the, fall, guy. the fall or yeah. him being the fall guy Yep, yeah.
1: he's the guy that you close the vault behind and he's like no don't leave me and you're like this is the plan All along, Jim. We're so sorry. No, we're not. (laughs) And also, going along with that is the traitor. We talked about the guy who is looking to double cross. That's a trope, but that's a good trope to fill. We've done that before. We've had a traitor in the group with PC wise, and we've had players who wanted to kill other players. Um, You could do it, it could work well. It could be done just be but warned. My, yeah. Know your group. Yeah.
0: You could have friends that are no longer friends after doing stuff. But
1: definitely like that. definitely and don't don't try and do that. Like obviously right. you want if you think you have a mature enough group then it can be a really fun thing. Uh but an NPC can be a traitor. That could be the plot twist. Is he An NPC he makes being you guys traitor fl- would be much easier yeah. to deal with than a player And being speaking a about the fall guy, you just have the whole entire group be the fall guy for that traitor to the group.
3: So one of the other things that you know we keep saying, the player is the player. Well, as they're doing the planning, the players are going to create some of their own ideas because there's nobody more paranoid about what's going to kill you than a player.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially if you have any type of connection to the character you're playing. The as. players,
3: when they're talking about their PCs and what they're going to do and what they should be overcoming, are going to give you great ideas for opposition, and you know they won't <laughs> yeah. even know it. And, and they'll be like, "See, I told you that was going to be there." And they'll be like, and you'll be like, "Yep, I planned that like two <laughs> months ago." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you can totally, you know, make make you look like a genius and, and you know, reward exactly. them uh, by going in like just by listening. So, you know, hopefully the best opposition is gonna come from, you know, during that planning when they're talking about things where you yeah. can go and, you know, adjust the way it's gonna work. It's like, you know, I bet you that's gonna work like this, so we should do that. It's like, Well, that is exactly how it was gonna work, so now I'm gonna make it so it's harder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Or put a twist on it yeah. that you, so, you weren't. Know, you thinking might not even
3: of. not even worry about the twist or the a lot of the obstacles until you know they start planning and they're looking at the blueprint because their paranoia is going to paint quite a few pictures for you as the DM. Yeah,
0: I think one of the obstacles that we didn't mention yet that I really like, and Mitch, you've thrown these in a little bit lately, are mimics. Yes. <laughs> Those
1: things are so annoying.
3: Yeah. I hate oh, those things. Oh, yeah. like but
1: they're, they're perfect for this kind of a <laughs> thing. They are, like, yeah. Why, if you weren't trying to protect... Like, you mentioned false vaults. Like, what if a false vault is a giant mimic Held that you step mimic. into yeah. its mouth? <laughs> oh, gosh. That would be awful. Or wh- you, you walk into the false vault, and the item is there, but the item is actually a mimic. Yeah. The thing that people... I think some people don't realize about mimics is they don't just form the shape of a treasure chest. Like, that's what we always see them as. But the point of a mimic is that they can form into any kind of object... And so that makes Mimics a lot more dangerous. Yeah.
0: Whether they're a bookshelf or a chair yeah. or, you know, a plate mm. or whatever it is, yeah, they can form into a lot of different
1: things. And and I think when you think about stuff like Mimics and stuff, a question that might be coming up in some of your guys' heads as you listen to this is, like, I don't... Uh, here's the thing. I don't understand. Why would you put a dragon or a Mimics into this place? Like, because when you go in and it's your object, you're going to have to, like, fight them. Well, not necessarily, like... If this is your item that you're, and these are your protections, like that you're protecting your item, there's going to be some way that you have to get around these things. Like you know the passwords. Harry Potter
3: knows how to get past the dog. Yeah, Harry exactly. Knows how to get past the, how to get past the tangle. Uh, yeah. And everything.
1: You know the passwords. You know the magic words. You know the riddles. Maybe the owner has this bell that he rings, and the mimics all like transform back into the original shape and like cower in a corner well it doesn't matter what it is and but that being said like maybe that's something that you try find out about and try and steal is that that bell that like reveals those mimics and like there but there's going to be a way like whoever owns this place is going to be able to bypass that stuff and so if a player brings that up like why would there be a mimic in here like if you want to just say to them just be like listen like the guy who owns this place he knows how to get around them like it's not an issue oh, Or like
3: him. statues can operate the same way right i mean they're just a statue yeah. when the owner goes in but as soon as you go in it's like he cut he shuts the doors turns on the medieval light switch and uh <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're called peg or something yeah, yeah right the peg <laughs> he goes and flips the peg and uh what happens all of a sudden the statues all turn into like you know they're all gargoyles or whatever monsters. yeah
1: like I'm even thinking of Avengers where Hawkeye like takes the eye out of the dude for the retina scan. Like you can have like oh, yeah. medieval versions of that like recognition. Like maybe the the guy who owns the place wears an amulet that everything around him magically knows this is this dude. Don't attack. Don't set off. So then traps. your
3: prep is to go and make a fake one that, that yes. he won't notice. Switch it when he's sleeping. The swap. Yeah, yes. And, like, that's a great thing, right? So yeah. So like that's
1: that and then you break it. The... <laughs> In the dungeon somehow. <laughs> I got one more that this is the last one I'm, I thought it's was really on the caliber of Rock Walkie Talkies.
3: Oh Rocky Talkies. <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that. I'm waiting for the Flintstones now. It's my new job. <laughs> rocky rocky talkie
1: talkies. Oh man, we need to just make a shirt with all our like items from the I podcast. Know. The I gold know. carrot <laughs> yeah. and the rocky talkie. <laughs> we should we should for our Patreon, like our next like tri-monthly, just like have give people a rock and say it's a rocky talkie. I'm sure they would love that. <laughs> that's,
3: the, that's the the milestone, You know, if you guys hit that milestone, everybody gets the pet rock.
0: Comes yeah. in, in <laughs>
1: infinitely number amount or infinitely <laughs> different amounts. If you listen close enough, you can hear the other people with the rocky talkies. Hold it up to your ear, you can hear the ocean. So the next <laughs> obstacle that I have is, and this is the last one I have on obstacles, but I really like this idea. Is you know, in modern times. An obstacle that you would run into in a bank or any kind of vaulting would be video cameras. And you don't want to get caught by video cameras. Scrying orbs, some kind of like magical scrying orbs work just like a video camera. They can like show whoever was there, who it was that was in this place. And so this might be a good reason why you wear masks during the heist while inside the dungeon, which I think is always cool because you could come up with sweet mask designs yourself. Um, Yeah. You'd have the white rider. So they're all on
3: playback like they always do in National Treasure, for example.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't remember what episode we talked about it in, but we talked about the the beholders, the little eyeballs. The little I eyeball beholders. The behi- they're, they're like, like fami- the raw real monster. Yeah, they're familiars that are little, they're just little eyeballs, but they're like a type of beholder and they are used by wizards to be familiars. Like, I think it'd be sweet to have a object protected by these little beholders that fly around and float and look for trespassers. <laughs> and so maybe you just need That's to kill awesome. them.
3: Because that's a two-in-one, right? Like a Beholder is like a two-in-one because I was just thinking as we're talking about this about the laser beam. You know, like, you know, you have like Resident Evil. She She's always diving through the, the laser. You know, you can go have <laughs> a, a monster that, that is both a spy and, and a weapon, right? Which would be pretty cool. Exactly. They exactly. have Renaissance level lasers, which is razor wire. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you could go and have a you know you could have a hallway where they got to get the acrobatic person needs to go through the uh the razor wire. You know, if you want to go and take like the modern heist and come up with medieval equivalents of it. I think that helps people get in the space of it cuz if you get too elaborate on the magic, sometimes you can't visualize it. It's just like, well, I do a magic spell. Give me I do a wish spell and I have the thing in my hand.
1: I would want to as the DM, he, like, put, like, little eyeball beholders, like, floating around and hear one of my players say, like, oh, it's like a video camera. Like, and just be like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's is. what I wanted to hear. Like, you've made that connection. Well, well done. Oh, that's
3: like the lasers. That's like the lasers. We have to blow the, you have to blow the uh, the chalk. And then the person's like, I have chalk in my hand. I have chalk in my hand. Yeah, right,
1: neck. right. Yeah, instead of TNT, you have magical runestones that explode. Like, there's, there's all these things that you think about the modern version, you go, you could, you could as the DM think about modern version of things and go "Ah, i wish we could use that but it's too modern and you can think of it in that way or you can think about it and go we're not going to use video cameras but we're going to use a magical equivalent of that that all my players will be like oh that's cool it's like a modern day video camera and it's just it adds that lore to it and adds a lot of fun to it
3: okay yeah so the fourth part is the plan so what makes a heist different from a simple robbery is the fact that you have to do some planning and that's what this is this is the plan just a, a snatch and grab robbery has opposition, it has something to steal, and it even has a location. But it's that fourth part, it's that plan and the need for it that makes the heist heisty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the heist heisty. The heisty so, heist. <laughs> yeah. So
3: you know it's a plan created by these quote unquote thieves or whatever they want to call themselves, heroes, procurement experts. And the best ones are really clever, creative, or just plain cool. So the plan is You really buy the players. I mean, you're going to say, oh, you're going to, they're going to either pick or you're going to tell, hey, you're going to steal this from here with all these traps in the way. Here's a map. Tell me how you're going to go and do it. And that really is what the plan is. So, I mean, you went and talked about, you know, when we were off uh, air, someplace players can go and come up with that plan. Like, what are some of the, the ideas?
1: You mentioned before, like, a big part of a heist that's kind of cool is that the players are going to give you ideas by themselves of just planning. Like, you can put stuff out there for them, but they're also going to come up with ideas themselves. And so I, I think there's two main parts that you as a DM are really responsible for with this kind of a campaign. One, you need to figure out with this item, one, why can't the PCs get this item? Like, what are those obstacles that we just talked about? And some of those obstacles your PCs may go like, oh, I bet you, like you said, that might be there and so you go, oh, totally cool. That's going to be there. there. I think
3: that is there. It's on my notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so it's your job to put those things in there, but your players might come up with great ideas that you go, I didn't think about that. It is there. So, why can't the players get the item in question, or items in question? The second question after that you have to ask is, how can the players? Like, what are the quote-unquote cracks in this protection of this item that allows the players to get in, get the item, and get out. Ringbox
3: is impossible to break into, except for these three cracks.
1: Except it is possible if you do this. So what makes the impossible possible? Yeah, and so, like we said, your players might give you great ideas of, like, something that you would have never thought of in a billion years, like, wow, that's a great idea. I want to reward that and let that be a crack in the system. Uh, but there's there's all these different kinds of cracks that I think could be in this system that you have to, as players, maybe you throw, throw them a carrot and give it to them or your players figure out. And so we've, we kind of wrote down a couple things that would go along with that. And so uh, the first one would just be, In general, information, like finding out information, we mentioned like obstacles set up about a wizard that a wizard protected this place. Well, it would be really cool if you could get the information from that wizard on that or sneak into his place, a heist within a heist, sneak into that wizard tower to get his book that tells about the stuff that he put in that place, or you grab his apprentice off of the street and threaten to beat him up unless he figures this out, or maybe the apprentice is part of your group. He's that yeah. inside, inside man, job. yeah. Inside man. Like there's all these ways that you can
0: get you information. could get some of the guards drunk or something like that, yeah. and like you could get the information from him that way. Yeah, you know, there's so many different ways you exactly, can do
3: and, and everything you're mentioning really draws in like, oh, well, there's all these people who are specialty. Oh, I'm really good at getting guards drunk because everyone likes me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. More, I think something that's even better than information itself is actually having the map or the blueprint of the yeah. area. We've talked about that a lot, but you have that. That's gold. I mean, yep. that's basically everything you will ever need. Show to Show them
3: the cracks. Make it an obvious thing where, like, when they look at the map, it's almost like a puzzle. They're like, um look, you can see here, there's no camera in this hallway. You know, like right. you, go, you can leave gaps that they, that they can discover or you could have an NPC if they're taking too long. Hopefully you have an NPC as part of the group. The NPC right. will be like, oh, by the way, did you notice this? Hopefully they discover it on their own. But I mean, again, you can't guarantee, you can't have, oh, the players are going to figure that out. Like, you know, just like anything, you can't expect that the players are going to go and be able to do everything you need. So you're going to have to go and either get it to them or allow it to be passed by.
1: And I'll point this out because we did mention that this is something that you want to have in your campaign. But plot twists, like a map, a blueprint, is a perfect point to make plot twists. Maybe it's 95% right, but then you're in there and something's been added in. Or there's another corridor that's not there. Yeah, it's an older blueprint. Or maybe somebody gave this to you who is trying to screw you over. And so there could be a plot twist in that the the map, the blueprint, is not 100% correct. It's,
3: it's like, you know, it's a year old. so And then in, in that year, the, the second vault's been, been added and the, the giant Hydra.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or those... <laughs> no big deal. Or the map, is, the blueprint is probably not going to hold... Or maybe it w- does, but maybe it doesn't hold those illusions that that wizard has put up. Right. And so it's not that the map is wrong. The map is 100% correct. The plot twist is you don't realize that the map is 100% correct because these illusions have been thrown up. And you're like, wait, this door is not on this map. And then you open the door and fire like spews out because it's a trap that like is an illusionary door. But yeah, there's all these kind of things that a, a blueprint and map can be the most crucial item but it could also be the biggest plot hook, like the plot twist in the campaign. It
3: can be used for the players and against them. It's, it's, it's great. And that's what yeah. you want everything to be. Just like how we mentioned riddles, you know, you don't want anything to be a roadblock that the players can't get past. It's like, okay, we're going to ask you three riddles. Oh, I don't know the answer to the riddle. Heist over. Like, so you don't want to go and create any roadblocks for them that they can't get past. You should be able to identify that in the planning being like, well, I think they're going to have a little problem with that. I'm going to give them a little help.
1: I think another crack would be who your allies are. Are there traitors? We talked about like there being a traitor on your team, but what about traitors that are on the opposing side's team? They're guards or like the wizard doesn't actually like this play or wants it for himself. And maybe that's why he put these spells in because now he's hired you to break in and get them out. Traitors are that are seemingly on the side of protecting this object that have come over your side. Maybe it's it's corruption is that crack in the system that you could go towards those people inside and... You've talked about having that bard who can kind of sweet-talk people or has that girlfriend that has that connection. Maybe her father is the one who owns the objects and so she's able to get you information that you need. Or you offer or a guard a certain amount of money
0: that will exactly. leave the door open or something like that yeah. for you.
1: People yeah. are flawed, and hence, if there are people involved in the protection, people are— probably the biggest crack in the system that the system could have.
3: Bards are superheroes and bards aren't flawed in a heist. They're like the no. MVP. <laughs> bards are
1: awesome, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just I like bards anyway, but you know what, you know, some people may find a new appreciation for it. Yeah.
1: I think you mentioned this quickly before, but I think this is one of my favorite tropes in a heist, the swap. Having that false treasure that looks just like that treasure, whether it's a painting, a lookalike, fake diamond, uh, yeah, or something exactly, like that, yeah. that you switch out. Maybe in getting away, the whole getaway is if you get away successfully, nobody ever knows. Until like years exactly. later yeah, when they go to touch Except for the people like who that, were yeah. involved, that the real item is not there. I mean, there's things like that that are in the real world that people are like, ah, we don't know if this is the real one of these. Like, like, we don't know where, or we don't know where the real one is. Like, <laughs> that could be a perfect thing. That swap, I feel like, is a great trope, that great crack in the system that could be used.
3: There's somebody who has, like, the real, like, sunflowers painting in their, like, living room. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maybe they don't even know it.
3: <laughs> it's like, that looks really familiar. It's like, yeah, well, some guy who gave it to my grandpa, he didn't have an ear or something. I don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) he didn't have an ear like like, it's only if
0: it's only your grandpa that he gave it to (laughs) man you're like super old
3: (laughs) so you know we've talked about you know a lot of kind of overall things such as you know needing a thing to steal getting a location creating some challenging opposition and then having the players come up with a plan and you know we'll talk about later how to reward them how to run that plan you know but there are some more things to consider So we talked about earlier, such as alignment, you know, you talked about having to do evil heist or a good heist, but, you know, you can't ask lawful good people to just go straight up and steal gold from the mayor. They're not going to do it, you know, and and evil people aren't going to go and steal a diamond and risk being arrested to save the kingdom. What's in it for them? So you got to make sure that the alignment and the motivation line up. It's just typical adventure hook writing. You just need to create a hook that they're going to go for. You can't get the heist to go off without a hook that draws the players
0: in. Right. If you don't have a heist that's going to line up with their alignment, they're yeah. not. They're not going to do it. Yeah. Even if they want to, or or even you if you are want to in a wise. very
1: extreme form trying to railroad your players into something that their characters wouldn't do. Right. DM right. and players need to work together. And as a DM, if you are if you have a group of good-aligned characters, you need to set up a heist that they would do, or just don't expect for them to do it. Or like you said early on, Sean. They need to be the people to try and stop the heist from happening. Yeah,
3: yeah. maybe they're, like, more police officer types, so, you know, put them on that side. Like, you know, like, instead of giving them, having them plan the heist, you give them clues, and those clues are what allow them to stop the heist, you know, and that can be really challenging. And, you know, someone's, I've done heists, I've seen those movies, right, but, I mean, have you guys ever been trying to stop a heist? I mean, players are always getting into trouble, How how about stopping someone else from getting into trouble, right?
1: I don't think you need to give them a reason why it can't just be a break down the door kind of scenario, too, because I've seen too many people play rogues and their good time has been kind of ruined by that fighter who like the rogues just like, all right, guys, I'm going to sneak into the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna knock out the guy. I'm gonna sneak it behind him. Then I'm gonna set up the trap. And while he's explaining, the fighter kicks down the door and is like, "Come at me!" <laughs> just a Leroy <laughs> Jenkins <ruins> moment. And it. <laughs> and the I've seen, I've, I've literally witnessed that. And I've, I've witnessed the rogue go from like actually trying to plan this crazy, cool, like sneaky action, and then be like, "It's never gonna work," because the, because the fighter guy just doesn't care, and he just does what he wants to do. And so I think. If you present them with something that it's like, no, that's not going to work. Like maybe, maybe the, the fighter goes, come at me. And then gets hit by a disintegration ray. And it's like, all right, I'm going to sneak in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but I think that a heist is a perfect, we didn't say this earlier, but I think a heist is a perfect opportunity that if you have a group that's like that, that the rogue never gets a chance to really shine. This is the perfect place that that rogue can finally be able to like, be like, guys, I can open lock. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. well, wait. we can't just kick it down. Like, no, no, no I can open lock or I can find the trap. Like it's, it's a good place for them to shine and finally feel like, yes. And you can still have, like you said, the bar can be useful. The muscle can be so useful, put things in that place, but it's a good place for that. to. Totally.
3: Happen. And, and, and this is your chance to go and mine those hidden skills. You know, everybody optimizes like oh i'm a plus six with my great sword like you know yeah But i mean what about the fact that you're a broom master that that might come in handy <laughs> in this heist or oh i didn't i didn't know that you could uh you know play the loot did you know that i have a magic loot that can put the dog to sleep so like, like <laughs> you can go and you know bite this is your chance to go and turn the character sheet over and look at the back that nobody looks at you know not, not literally but you know what i mean right
0: right yeah, you know, yeah the yeah.
3: wizard it's like well i shoot fireballs well also, did you know you have a sleep spell? They're kind of handy.
0: Do you know you have silent spells? Yeah, exactly. All that stuff so too.
3: I know that certain game styles are more suited towards you know using these, or certain people run games that are more towards skills. This would be a chance if you guys had a bunch of people who bash in the doors. Sure, those guys still got to bash the heads together to get the key off those guards because that's that's going to be an obstacle that they have to use force on. But now you know your rogue and your bard and your magic users' cantrips can all come in handy. So that brings another question of like, well. Do you even allow magic? I mean, if you have super powerful magic users and they have these other kind of softer skills or you want to have the rogue shine because, you know, you guys are level 12 and your magic user just running over everything, you know, you go and say, well, did you know that there's a magical protection field in this area of the vault? So you're going to have to come up with, like, non-magical ways of getting through it. You know, oh, that's just a cop but, Well, no, like, that's that's the mission. Like,
0: that would probably be there. Why
3: wouldn't that be there? I mean, this is D&D, like, You can't have a level 8 wizard going invisible and stealing my chalice of awesomeness.
0: Shoot, we built this vault, but we forgot magic existed in this world. (laughs) Dang it.
3: Those are some of the uh, other things that I had to consider. You know, you guys had a list of specific things that races or classes might be handy for. I
1: think just as your players decide what race they want to be in a heist campaign I wrote down a list of a couple races that would be pretty awesome for a heist campaign for just their racial traits obviously what comes to mind first away right away in a fantasy campaign is the halfling Yep, natural thieves natural it's sneaking around they're small so they can fit into spaces that other creatures couldn't fit into they are perfect for that kind of campaign dwarves can be really good for the muscle but they also have that natural sound of direction. They know, always know where north is, which can be really, really, really powerful if you're stuck underground in a, like a maze type area or something that could help a lot. They could have a lot of knowledge on architecture. They could also be good at finding secret doors. They could be the explosive expert. <laughs> like, I think a dwarf can fit into a really, a lot of those. Good tropes that could help out. Uh, an orc would be great for muscle. We talked about in the team, of. we talked about the, having a gadget guy. I think a warforged is a perfect gadget guy because he could literally be a walking Swiss army. He knight. is a gadget. But, yeah, he <laughs> himself has many gadgets. And that's what one of the cool things about having warforged is you can, like upgrade yourself and you can have like compartments that hide things inside of you and that would be perfect for a heist campaign like
3: the same like you know say you're playing star wars or or sci-fi you know the warfare yeah. fills in that that astromech or that droid kind of exactly kind of or, or r2
1: who could like plug into the wall or and open hacker, doors and stuff you know, yeah or, or like you know, exactly heist
3: has the hacker guy right
1: yep gnomes also uh are known as being like jack of all trades they could be really good at like having just they could be that gadget guy they're small like the halfling a lot of them take up that spell casting thing and at least in my world they're the ones who created the Yeah, we talked about and we talked about myrrh before before, myrrh would be perfect for a heist like you got the uh you got the rope myrrh like the grapple hook myrrh yeah all those myrrh could be perfect for this kind of thing the doppelganger might be a little op but just saying I would want a doppelganger on my side. Like like Mystique in the oh, X Men yeah. movies is always sneaking into places she's not allowed to go into. And that's because she can transform into whoever she needs to and just sneak yeah, like, in. Maybe
3: they don't maybe like their stats are pretty commoner, but yeah, you can be that, but you know, you don't get a plus two to string. Like <laughs>
1: Maybe to equal that up, may, maybe that you make them a lesser level or they're not really anything particularly special in class, but the point that they're their cool thing is that they are a doppelganger and able to transform into different people and anything and that would be crazy. We talked about noggles on a recent episode and how they would be great at pickpocketing. Sleight maybe you need a, maybe yeah, you need that guy to swap things what are, out. What
3: are those? those are like the what are they? They're not uh,
1: the little donkey, donkey. people I was from say magic yep. guinea pig. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> guinea pigs so. we're still waiting on those noggle stories everybody uh and and then another thing that i wrote down and we only wrote down a couple of things because i'm sure there's all these tons of races that you could say this would be good and this would yeah. be good but dwerger have invisibility as a racial class and like you said sean invisibility is pretty stinking good in this kind of a campaign so those are just a couple Races to note that might be really good for this. In, in fact, you might maybe you're maybe you don't want to have a PC play a doppelganger, but you just make a doppelganger an NPC that's part of the team, so there yeah, you go. And then it can't
3: be abused, right? But it's still on the team, and, and you exactly know, fill in the gaps. It's like, okay, well, we got two strong guys, so that's covered, but where's your invisibility? So you give them an NPC, exactly. Also, what classes? I mean, you know, there's not a lot of fantasy heist movies, right? So, yeah. well, what would a fighter be good at? Well, they're the muscle, right? So they could be climbing like Conan the Barbarian. He's always breaking in the towers by just using his strength, right? Yeah, he's sneaky, but I mean like the guy's huge. I mean he's like huger than Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> or is Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. yeah. <laughs>
1: Move aside, I will kill the dragon. <laughs> so like this guy
3: is climbing up a tower and like, you know, jumping in and stealing like a, a jewel. So fighters can be that guy, right? I mean it's like a second story halfling except they just, like, climb up. Like, you know, like, Andre the Giant just climbs the side of a cliff. It's like an off Oh, market. yeah. <laughs> Archers, they could be doing the surveillance, you know, the point man, the sniper, stealing the eyeball like Hawkeye. And then, you yeah, know, right. obviously magic users, even if you have that invisibility or that sort of magical field, you know, they're still really smart. You know, maybe they are they have a soft skill that lets them save crack or number crunch or whatever, you know, or, or they're doing magic. You know, they're the ones who are responsible for, you know, maybe you can't cast spells. But, you know, you can go and make potions, for example. Picking the right spells, like, okay, I don't get Fireball today.
0: Right, I have to pick something that might be a little bit more That's useful. That's
3: what you can go and say. So then your magic user, who's all prepped and everything is going great, things twist, and all of a sudden his spell list is not the best for the scenario.
0: Right. That's the unfortunate part sometimes of playing a magic yeah, exactly.
3: user. Like, you know what? I'm sorry, but those three spells that were going to be really great are going to come in so handy now that you got to fight your way out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The bard,
3: obviously, social obstacles. Druids, ability to sneak around naturally is great. It can be uh, a druid in my campaign. He's always going and sneaking in as a mouse or a spider ahead of time. I basically have to like show everybody the map for 10 seconds and then go back again. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, you know, like, okay, here's what the map looks like. Uh, enjoy rooting the entire scenario
1: (laughs) well you can you can literally sneak through the cracks in the system right Right.
3: and and you know what that's fine because i'm ready for that right and then obviously rogues I mean, we've been talking about them continuously anything you can think of i mean they should be whether they're an assassin or whether they're a a thief or whether they're a ninja or whatever kind of rogue flavor they are you know they should have skills applicable to a heist that would hope you want to create those obstacles because you don't want your fighters sitting on their hands the whole time because there's been a bunch of can you imagine hulk on a heist with like are going to do? So, you know, Hulk has to be busy holding this thing up while they go in um, on he's, like, he's the he's driver. Like, Hulk, Hulk keep car open running. Hulk's holding open the door so that Black Widow can go and get at the lock, right? And like so you can go and create these kind of scenarios so that, you know, everybody's busy and has a really super important place. Yeah. nice until things go wrong.
0: Yeah, or you have to have the fighter fight people off until the rogue can get the lock picked or something like that. Yeah, Yeah.
3: exactly. So you got like your two fighters who are basically in like a ten round fight while everyone else is like what closing the portal. It's almost like a close the portal uh, scenario, right? These guys are fighting the big bad while you, while you know your your magic user or whoever is trying to close the portal or something. You got to defend them. So yeah, like that's exactly what it could be. That'd be that'd be pretty fun. So that kind of leaves us to we've talked so much about it. How do you run one of these? I mean. Oh, this is so great. And then you go and sit there and it's like, wow, this is really hard to run. I like all your ideas. You guys talk the talk. But how would actually run this thing? You know, I've been DMing for a year. I'm terrified. I think the first thing you go and do is you, you can't, like we said, without a hook or multiple hooks, you're not going to have a hike. So you got to make sure you have a hook. So we talked about that.
1: We we talked about team dynamics and maybe one of your PCs is the boss or the mastermind. Maybe not. Maybe that person is the the hook like they come to you and they drop they they call you all together maybe you've been a team before like years ago and you split ways you know, why'd you call us here? Why'd you bring us back together? Like, One last to mission. Yeah. And you drop down that blueprint to that place. And you're like, I have the blueprint for this place. We're going to break in. We're going to take it. We're going to leave. And, and the
3: person breaking in is Conan. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I will fight the dragon. <laughs> this
3: heist is in trouble. Get down.
1: So we went from pirate voices. chopper. <laughs> we went from pirate voices to Arnold voices yes. this time.
3: Awesome. Yeah, so you want to go and figure out what those twists are and what those obstacles are like we talked about. You know, it's really hard ahead of time to figure where the plot twists are. So if I'm running this, I would kind of have some rough ones, but I wouldn't have them in, in ink and I would go and do those later after you know they've had their chance to plan. That might be the more advanced level, but I'm really really pushing to go and be dynamic with the twists. You know, so yeah. that so that they seem more part of the story, right? Versus like, oh, you wrote those twists like 3 days ago. Like who cares? Right. And yeah, let the players come up with a plan. I mean, they're going to come up with a great plan, and really all you need to go and do is either let them tell you the plan going or throw obstacles, new obstacles, such as, oh, the timeline's moved up or, oh, by the way, the wizard actually didn't go out of town for two weeks and he's or, back a day early.
0: Or the blueprint is old or something exactly. like that that you yeah, got, you have yeah. you
3: year old blue map. You know, you kind of introduce those. So you might go and say, I'm going to have four milestones. So when they hit room three, I'm going to introduce this plot milestone or this sticky point that's going to go and make things difficult. for them. It's not a big deal. They're okay. So the other thing is, Success or failure? Well, I rolled the one, so the heist is over. We, we want to avoid that, right? So if they've planned, you know, we can go and give them, well, you know what? Uh, you get a free reroll roll on, on, there's no one because you planned or, you know, whatever you want to go and do to go and make it easy for them, but not super easy. And it can't be a fail. It's like, well, things went really, really well or things went okay. About after like seven okays, then you're in real trouble.
0: Well, I think that's part of the reason, like, with 5e, they have the advantage and disadvantage thing. I would imagine the people that you have hired for specific roles should probably, if they're focusing really well, be able to do that. And you should give them some sort of opportunity to do it and do it well, whether that's a re-roll or rolling two dice or whatever you want to do for that situation. I like that That's That's
3: how you run this thing. I mean, this isn't just an encounter where, you know, you have a bad guy. He has an AC of 19. Your players go and attack, roll that, or... Oh, it's a trap. Well, did I? how's my perception? Did I disarm it? I mean, you know what? You roll a one, you don't disarm the trap. You get a poisoned finger, and three rounds, you're dead. Like, that's not what you want here. So, you know, you right, really, yeah. you're kind of running something different. It's, it's much like a fourth edition skill challenge in some ways. You could run it that way, or you could do it almost like a chase where, you know, this is at the end of it, and you need to go and hit this, this, and this, and, you know, it could fork. Well, if things aren't going so well, then, oh, they have to have this. Because they didn't go and disable this lock, now they got to fight this encounter. So, right. you know, if you think of it that way, it's almost like an adventure where you're falling into either the good or the bad and they're kind of drifting back and forth. And, you know, five bads, the heist fails. It is what it is, right? But not because they roll the one on the lockpick, you know, right. in the in the very middle of the heist. So I personally, when, when I, I run a lot of mini heists where it's just kind of like, okay, uh, you know, the two of you need to go in and. Get into the ball. Well, the first step you need to do is get a dress or you need to go and get like fancy clothes. <laughs> so they need to go and do that. Well, they're really expensive. Well, did you have enough money? Yeah, we got a credit note from the governor. So they'll go in, they'll get their dresses, and they're dressed up right. Well, if they didn't know that and they just went to the front entrance of the ball and they got to do a heist at the fancy ball, they're not even going to get in the door, right? So again, a right. lot of these obstacles just go away because they prep. They didn't ignore it. Like you give them a clue, like, oh, by the way, this is a costume ball, or oh, by the way, you need a piece of photo ID that says you're a member of this wizard's group to get into this bank. Well, you can't get in the wizard's bank without the ID. If they don't take that tough luck, right? I mean, you'll make hit them over the head with that clue. And if they do it, they basically get an automatic success, right? Yeah. And the challenge right. can be done outside of the heist. So that Oh, well, we didn't get it that time. Well, we'll mug them in the next alley.
1: Yeah. Make sure to
0: reward the planning, I think is the biggest yeah, thing. Absolutely. Like when you've run a heist, how did you run
1: it? We've kind of given things throughout uh, our talk here on the podcast, but uh, for me, and maybe people wouldn't agree with me on this, but for me, a big thing would be I would want the challenges to be challenging. (laughs) As a player, I would feel like if we're going to do a heist, there has to be that element of if we screw up bad stuff happens, and I wouldn't want everything to just be like given to me on a, like, oh well, you kind of set off that trap, but I guess there won't be an alarm for that one, <laughs> like I would want danger, I would want a sense of there's a time limit that we can't just dilly dally that like it's like we have to get in, we have to get out as quick as we can, especially if a an alarm goes off, like I think there needs to be like that scariness of. All right, are we are we calling it? Are we getting out? Are we going? Or is it like can, can we make it? Can we get can we get to it quickly? Like forget all the traps. Just go through. Like let the traps off. Whatever. Just run. Don't get hit by the arrows. But like I, I would want a heist as a DM and as a player to be challenging.
3: Or or frantic, like you just said. Like, you know, maybe maybe it's not challenging. Maybe as everything is going down, like you start talking faster. And, and, you know, you start going and pushing them it's like you don't have time for that.
1: But I think there also needs to be that balance of like like you guys were saying, like reward that planning stage. And so the more planning and the better they do with that, the easier things will be. That being said, I don't even think with a perfect planning stage, there still should be challenges. But I, I would also say as a player, there would be a point where I'd be like, this is just this is too hard. Uh, this is ridiculously hard. This is impossible. And yes, you wanna make it challenging and hard, but what if you just feel as a player like, there's nothing we can do? Like I feel like I'm a level two character in a level fifteen like campaign. Like yeah, right. you, you have to make it doable for your players at the same time so that they don't feel like you're just throwing in like a i set you up for failure give them those those hooks give them those plot twists give them those challenges don't make it not fun well
3: and i and i think this the, you mentioned that again and we've mentioned that many times is it has to be fun so for some people the challenge is fun for some people the jokes and the watching things fall apart is fun but i don't want that one check to fail everything so that's why you're going to have like the multiple paths where it's like you know what you're slowly going over to the fail side of the margin, and you're slowly going over to the success. But you know, have it be that you know that, that things are swinging back and forth a little bit. And you know, when it finally gets to the point where, like, you know what, you guys didn't plan enough. You guys didn't do this. I'm sorry. You got a spike through your leg, and you guys are trying. You guys just got arrested. Like, tough luck. I mean, you know, do a better job next time. Been you know, in another life. <laughs> roll, roll new PCs
2: <laughs> <laughs> with
1: your next heist group. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and maybe the campaign is presented that way that if they fail, like. You will be given another chance as another group of thieves, except realize that if you fail this first time, they're going to redouble their efforts. They're going to switch things. The blueprint's not going to be the same. The first group that you just were dopes with is going to mess it up for that second group. And so maybe you're able to do it again, but it's more challenging this time.
3: So you're trying to go and open up, you're trying to enter the vault. You go and ask them for a skill check, which would be uh, a thievery or something, right? And the person's proficient and they get a bonus because why? You guys made a test vault and you guys bought the exact same lock from the exact same locksmith. So they go and roll it. The person gets like they roll a three, but they had a plus 10. As a difficulty of 15, they kind of failed. Well, you just lost 30 seconds off the clock. But, you know, the next time you go and roll it, you're, you know, you didn't break it or whatever. You know, you roll an eight, you pass the lock. The problem is the clock, you just you just burned an extra minute, right? And like, you know, like you have that clock and you're like, guys, like eight minutes, seven minutes, six minutes, right? So, you know, you can be going and having the fails burn the clock versus create a roadblock they can't get past. Like, oh, I can't open the lock. I guess we're not going in the vault. Well, you know, you're really proficient, but there's still that risk. You know what? We can't even get in the lock. I mean, I broke my tools, whatever else. Well, what's your backup plan? We didn't come up with one. Why didn't you? You had the vault sitting right there in your test dungeon so right. you know really reward that and try to talk the players through well what's your backup plan well what happens if this happens like you know try to have that npc be a real yes. worry work
0: yeah i just say that would be a good part for the npc that you're playing as to speak for you as the dungeon
3: master they're like yeah. they're the wily veteran right and like they're hired to go and say well back in my day when we went and you know broke into water deep
1: yeah right <laughs> If you want to give your players like a couple giveaway failure tries, like, oh, they fail and you want to let them slide a couple times, give them a much less powerful version of the hourglass from the third Harry Potter where Hermione used it to switch back time. Maybe it's like a little hourglass necklace that can be used five times ten times whatever you want it to be however hard this is going to be and it reverses time 30 seconds and so it's like oh we tripped off the alarm you hear guards coming to kill you or to capture you okay we need to use that hourglass right now we need to try it again if you want there to be like a trial and error like that would be a magical way that your players could do that you just want to make sure that that item that you give them isn't op so it only has a, a certain amount of uses before the sand runs out completely or something so
3: we talked about a lot of ways you can go and kind of run you know you've done the planning now you're executing we, re- we talked about the execution well what happens when the plot twist happen? well you have an aftermath now right it's going to be pretty boring to go and do every check you just did in reverse or like oh well, you know right. that's when you can go and do the twist or whatever or you know you can go and have it well now they're doing a reverse chase like Now you need to get out and like now you're doing a chase scenario where the alarm went or whatever, even though you planned it and it's gone. So now you got to go and get through all these obstacles. But now it's a chase instead of being careful and methodical. Now you're running and trying to get through it. Okay, my rogue goes and, you know, tries to run across all these barrels and then do like a 20 foot dive or something like that. Whatever. You go and have them trying to go and go faster, not slower through the, uh, careful area that it went through before
2: yeah you have to
0: scrabble over some rubble that fell in because you failed a trap earlier so you you know you have to try and run over that and you're running and you're trying to do it fast so you take some negatives on it or something like that while you're being chased it could make for a very interesting escape scenario
3: yeah so you know you go and introduce those type of things so really you want to run this heist the players plan the whole thing you go and get an npc go and tell them introduce cracks or go and remind them that they should be paranoid and maybe have a backup plan on some of these things you execute the thing where you go and bonus them up on the things they did well punish them on the things they didn't care about like oh oh man we totally forgot to go and get that oh man tough luck (laughs) and then you know when that twist happens create a new type of gameplay if the whole thing was like a careful skill check and you know the fighters were busy fighting or whatever now it's turned into a chase scene where your fighters are basically trying to give you guys extra time. Maybe someone even sacrifices themselves, right? And you'll have to go and rescue them later. That's a way you can run it. There's a hundred ways you can run it, but...
0: Sets it up for another heist if somebody gets captured.
3: It it doesn't need to be this impossible. Like, I don't even know how you DM this thing. Make it fun, reward the planning, create areas where a single fail or roadblock isn't going to stop your players, and then go and twist it and run a different type of play. And like if you do that, it'll probably be pretty fun. And it could take a couple sessions, Three sessions, or it could take a whole campaign, right?
1: Well, that's what we have for you today about heists. Uh, we hope that this gets you really, really interested. And like we said, it doesn't have to be an entire campaign on a heist, but it could be an adventure put into the campaign you're currently running. It doesn't have to be evil campaign, neutral or good. It could be any one of those, and you can put in a campaign campaign. heist into your campaign for whatever reason we just gave you a ton so we hope this gives you a real excitement to try this out and we would love to of course hear all about the heist that you've played before or the heist that you are now planning and going to plan we would love to hear about it you know we've had sean on the
0: episode or the podcast now twice and he's talked about pirate campaigns and he's talked about heists (laughs) so maybe if you guys would really go gung-ho with his ideas do a pirate heist campaign oh yeah (laughs) and sean i know you would love Arnold to hear that you're the pirate yeah right <laughs> <Arr>. <laughs> sean i know you would love to hear those stories I, I, uh, I, so I, I, where could they reach you with those stories um,
3: yeah you can reach uh reach me for telling me those stories or anything you want about pirates or heists or just in general at info at com or you can just go to uh tribality.com and there's a uh Contact link on the uh, sidebar.
0: Definitely reach out to Sean if you have any of those stories. And Sean, thanks once again for coming on the episode. Yeah, this was so great. Much. This was this was awesome.
3: I-, I can't wait to come back for the uh, bad impressions episode that we're planning. Hey, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Just
0: us giving bad impressions. <laughs> Maybe Geek the- Wars number two, Sean. Maybe <laughs> Geek <laughs> Wars number two. <laughs> Don't want your booster. <laughs> hey, Sean, thank you
1: very much. We'll uh, we'll be talking to you soon. No
3: problem. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Bye.
1: Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. We hope that you enjoyed this awesome episode, inspiring you to go out and steal some stuff. (laughs) To break into a place and steal some stuff. We've now helped you successfully scratch that itch. Of doing a heist. Yes, or at least we have scratched it a little bit more so that now you right, can go on right. and scratch it even more. <laughs> We've given you
0: some ways to scratch your own itches. Y-
1: yes, this is getting weird. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Chris, if they want to contact us and tell us how they have itches that no longer need scratching, <laughs> where can they contact uh, us? Yeah, then? you
0: guys can contact us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can find us there, send us all of your stories, that would be awesome. We'll, we'll read through them and might even get featured in an upcoming mailbag edition so hit us up there you can also if you would feel so inclined head over to iTunes and give us a five star review because when we reach a hundred something pretty darn cool is gonna happen so hit us up over there we're counting reviews from all over the world so if you're in the United States or Australia or Canada or Czechoslovakia, well, it's Czech Republic, but <laughs> it's if not you're like you a- said Czechoslovakia, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're anywhere in the world, send us those reviews because uh, we'll be looking at them to hopefully get to a hundred here, probably within the next couple of months, I would
1: imagine. Yep. Uh, maybe even the next month. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMsBlock. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have great DMing tools, memes, whatever it is that you love about it. They're there. We have a Patreon dragon shout out for this month. And let's have that drum roll in. And we will tell you who it is. Drum roll. Our Patreon shout out is... Jack Constantine. Constantine. Thanks, Jack. We appreciate it. That's an awesome last
0: name. He is a (laughs) platinum dragon. Of all the dragons, you are the most revered, and we thank you so much for your support at the Patreon level.
1: Thank you, platinum dragon Jack Constantine.
0: Platinum dragon Jack. That sounds awesome. (laughs)
1: Uh, Sounds like a great NPC. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. This episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. Have a good night, everyone. Or day. Or afternoon. Just keep on Dungeon Mastering. (laughs) That's all we care about.
2: Goodbye.